Coming up this week, off screen. Kevin Hart goes to night school. Glenn Close is the wife. Relationship melodrama gets an anchor and some hope. Things get savage with Black 47. Then get mushy with Dusty and me. And get violent as we go to Redcon 1. All those to come and more, off screen. This is... This is off screen. Off screen. Latest film news and reviews. This is Offscreen, the on-screen radio show. Ooh, welcome to Offscreen. I'm Van Cotton. I am Calvin Brickett. So thanks for filling in, Calvin. It's uh, it's been a while since you've done one of these. It's been an awfully long time since. It really is, hasn't yeah. it? Yeah, it's been like what, three years, something about like that. About that, yeah. About that, yeah. Well, welcome back to the fold. Thank you very much. Um, some housekeeping, of course, which mm-hmm. is this is meant to be Case's last week co-hosting this show. <laughs> um, but uh, unfortunately, I'm stuck in London, where you live. Yes. Um, and so we obviously can't do that. But I don't want to deny Case having his last week. So we're going to do Case's last week next week. And you can fill in this week, and, and and then obviously after case leaves, we have uh, a pair of uh, very lovely, very charming uh, co-hosts who are going to fill in. And it's not really much of a sport if you listen to this show regularly. You probably you know know who that is. <laughs> but, I, uh, I'm always happy to be your sloppy seconds. That, that's fine. You you may be my sloppy seconds in this case. <laughs> uh, so before we get to the film news, the film reviews, box office top five, all the fun, I need a piece of film news to kick us off for this sure. week. So what's been happening in the film world this week? Anything? big, anything notable, what's gone on, Kevin? Well, Birds of Prey has finally got its cast, or getting its cast sorted. Is it, though? Yeah, it actually has. It uh, broke last night that Journey Smollett Bell... Who? Yeah. uh, Okay. She's from Underground. She's going to be Black Canary. She's from Underground. What is Underground? Underground is a little indie film. Okay. Yep, that, not that's it. pretty much all she's done. I mean, it must be a really indie film. Yeah, I've, yeah. I, I've heard it nothing. was between her and I'm going to butcher her name, Gugu Mbatha-Raw. Gugu Mbatha-Raw. That's the one. Yes. it was between those two. Hang on, hang on. I could have lived in a world in which Gugu Mbatha-Raw was was Black Canary. Yeah, well, uh, no, 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 I'm done. I'm done. Sorry, no, I want to live in that world. <laughs> yeah. I want to live in that world right now. Yeah, uh, they, this, this has got Margot Robbie, hasn't it? As, yes, as Margot Robbie for some reason. Harley, for some reason. Uh, that reason is money. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Contractual obligations, <laughs> I believe, is the term you're yeah. looking for. Uh, so they originally offered the role of Black Canary to Lady Gaga, which is the but, most wonderful piece of stunt casting I've ever heard. And also, though, does that not make complete sense, given yeah, everything going on with the stories? But like, Warner yeah. Brothers absolutely would be like, well, we've got you in the room, lady. Yeah. Can we call you, lady? Um, <laughs> she, she turned it down. Of course she did, because yeah. presumably someone showed her a script. Yes. Yeah. And then we've got Mary Elizabeth Winstead, who is Wait. going to be the Huntress. Wait, is that official? Yes. My God, that's official. That's Mary official, Liz- yeah. Jeez. She beat out Sophia Boutella, uh, the... Wait, wait, wait. Mary Elizabeth Winstead beat yep. out Sophia Butella. Yes. For, that's bonkers. No. Yeah. That, that's insane. Yeah. I mean, I love, I loves me some Mary Elizabeth Winstead. She's, yeah. she's great. Sophia Butella is much better suited to the role. Well, yeah. Also, Mary Elizabeth Winstead is like a 2006 meme. Yeah. And she, she's Manic Pixie Dream Girl 2006. Yeah. Sophia Butella is pure 2018. Exactly. 
Yeah. But, but uh, uh, no, Mary Elizabeth Winstead is going to be wielding the crossbow of the Huntress. Oh, okay. Are we going with the Helena Bertinelli version yes, or are. are we going with the weird 2003 CW version? No, no, which they are. <laughs> we like to forget did yeah. have Harley Quinn as no, the villain. No, it didn't. No. Yes, it did. No, yes, it did, no, sir. No. Not only did it have Harley <laughs> Quinn as the villain, she was played by Mia Sara. Yeah. Mia Sarah? Mia Sara? Sara. And, uh, and that was terrific casting. I mean, I'm sorry, but if you get me a girl fight between Harley Quinn and Ashley Scott and tattoos all the things she said is playing over the top of it, you got my money, man. That That's how you do a series finale. Well, but, uh, this is not going to have that. Damn. The villain is going to be Black Mask. Because of course it is. Because of course it is. Yeah. Yeah. And they've not announced who's going to be playing it. Well, it's going to be someone ridiculously na- like known like as a yeah. name who's then going to have to sit behind a black mask. Yeah, the whole time. Like, clearly. And they're not going to take it off. No. And, and that's what it's going to be. Yeah. If, if it was on me, <laughs> please get Steve Buscemi. Yeah, yeah. If you're going to do that, then If you're going to do it, just go all out. Get oh, Steve no. Buscemi to go mad. Oh, actually, for me, Ray Liotta. That's fine. Ray Liotta, I would live with. Like, Ray Liotta needs to be a comic book villain at some point. I mean, you might be a bit too young to remember this, but back in around that point that uh, uh, Birds of Prey was a TV show, in like 15 years ago, there were these Heineken adverts, I think they were Heineken, that starred Ray Liotta. And the whole premise was Ray Liotta, as himself, playing a very sent-up, you know, psycho version of himself, would simply show up at your, your, your house or place of business and just psychologically torment you into drinking Heineken. <laughs> It was a terrific ad campaign. I was I was a huge fan. Um, of course, no one ever did anything with with that though. So annoyingly, but uh, but really, it's a comic book got to happen sooner or later. Yeah, that's the big news in the DC thing at the moment. They've just penciled in a release date for it. So that's oh, but they all have release dates. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Cyborg has a release date. Oh, You're not, never going to see happening. it. It's never happening. But this one's actually making some headway, mostly because Margot Robbie. They have a director now. Margot Robbie's pushing for it, and mm. the script is from Christina Hodson, who's just written the Bumblebee film. Oh yeah, which yeah, actually yeah. looks. Not bad. Not awful. Yeah, that, like, like I sat through that trailer. You sent me yeah. the thing, like you sent me the, the the link, and this does not look terrible. And yeah. I think I put it off for like twelve hours. Watched watched it and thought that, that that's actually not bad. Yeah, that's pretty much what I'd have made the first one of yeah. these to feel like. It's you know. set in the eighties. Yeah, well, biggie there. The yeah. Transformers have G one designs. Yes. Uh, I don't care if they're calling him Blitzwing. I'm calling him Starscream. Wait, wait, wait hang on. Whoa, 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 what, 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 what? Go, so, go back to that. <laughs> what? Blitz? So, right, here's the thing. So, the, Starscream is Starscream is the lieutenant on, on yeah, the, the Decepticon side. Yeah. Who's he, usually a, a plane. He's, he's usually the sniveling uh, underling to Megatron. Okay, right. And yeah. the gag is always that... He's like the Jacob Rees-Mogg. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, it, that's exactly it. Mm. So, the... There is a character in the Bumblebee film who has been designed. He has the he has the head design. He has the. I really design. thought that was everyone thought it was. Starscream. That's not Starscream. That's not Starscream. No. Oh my god. Okay. No. Hasbro have come out and said no. That's not Starscream. That's Blitzwing. Bl- Blitzwing. Blitzwing. <laughs> wow. To which everyone went. That is. Do you know what that is? That is that is two studio execs at a urinal spitballing. <laughs> That's exactly what that is. Like, how you doing? Yeah, good weekend. Yeah. Oh, hey, we need to fix this bumblebee thing. Oh, oh I, I, I don't know. Uh, Blitzwing? Blitzwing, are, Blitzwing will do. There are already memes going around. Of, of course, there are pictures of Starscream toys, and on the box, <laughs> it's just got Blitzwing written on the top. Just crossed yeah. it out with just a Sharpie. Just crossed it out. And, yeah. 
Oh my god! But uh, yes, yeah, so I, I didn't. I've somehow missed all of that about uh, Birds of Prey. Yeah. But uh, well, Margot Robbie really wants to do more Harley Quinn. It seems she really does. She, does she want to though, or is just the money that good? I think it's a bit of both. She <laughs> she does seem to genuinely enjoy playing her version of the character. Let's politely call it her version. Yeah. Let, let's, let's do let's that. Let's call it her version. Yeah, I don't think, we, I don't think on any planet anyone's calling that Harley Quinn. No. So, in any, I mean, in, with any level of authenticity to it. <laughs> she she seems to really enjoy it. She does, so, which is strange. More power to her, but uh, no one else does. Like... <laughs> <laughs> Uh, no, I'm sorry. I, I just you see you're you're obsessed with Harley Quinn. I am. And I am. You, you, as long as I've known you, you've been just worshiping Harley. Back when she was only a Batman the Animated Series character yeah. and occasionally appeared in other comic books. Yeah. But uh, the strange thing is, like, I, I love that I've witnessed this now. Like mm. through you, I have witnessed the world suddenly start to fall in love with Harley Quinn, yeah. and it's not even vaguely close to actually no. being Harley it Quinn, is, which is astonishing. It is fundamentally painful for me. Although, think about it from my perspective for a second. Because the version of Iron Man we have in the world, not strictly speaking, not, that accurate not, Iron Man. Not really the sort of Howard Hughes type. Not really. Figure no, that he was in the comics. No, more of a retro arcade ACDC yeah. metalhead, yeah. which I'm fine with. Completely fine. It fits with. my it fits my worldview a bit better. Yeah. But yeah, not really Howard Hughes. No. So, you know, no, swings and roundabouts. Really. Okay, we need to plug the podcast edition, so yes. extended version of this show. Uh, more news, more reviews that can't fit into the radio edit, things like that. And, of course, Moment of Cage, which we've got to end with because it's, it's like a hallmark now. And the man keeps giving up the goods. He does. So we Did you see he did a thing, I think it was with Vanity Fair? Yes, we used that last week, Absolutely actually. Wonderful. We're probably going to wind up using it this week, Absolutely if we're honest. Absolutely wonderful. Uh, we are going to be, as of today, we are launching a new promotion with this show as mm-hmm. well. You're going to love this. Okay. So the idea is, you know, the idents we play. Yes. So the idents. Thank you. Yeah, the idents we play. We we have a lot of them now. Yeah. Um, we are going to, and they are completely randomised. I have, for instance, today I've run through a random number generator, and uh, just because you were late, otherwise yeah. I'd have gotten you to pick them out. <laughs> um, if you can identify all three ident themes, all three movie themes that we use for the idents for this episode and every episode going forward, email van at moviemarker.co.uk. Uh, identify all three. Give us your address and you know what if you're right and you're the first person who does it we'll give you a dvd i can't promise you it'd be a very good dvd <laughs> it will it, it's literally going to be on a whim yeah but you know what it doesn't cost you anything and hey free dvd yeah plus you know fun um on which note well let's talk about black 47 which is decidedly not fun no no, <laughs> this comes to us from Lance Daly. This is uh, the Black Forty Seven refers to eighteen forty seven. It refers okay. to uh, the the Great Famine in Ireland, mm-hmm. and I- imagine if you will something like the Revenant meets Ravenous. Yeah, uh, you, you kind okay. of on the right lines, starring Hugo Weaving and James and James Russell. So, yeah, okay. This is not an easy sell, but actually a very good film. Oh, wonderful. And also amazing cast. Like, anyone who's ever even vaguely been in an Irish movie is in this movie. Uh Plus Hugo Weaving and an Australian lead. But other than that, okay. So the idea is you've got a deserter, a soldier who has just abandoned his platoon, who speaks only in his original tongue, his original Celtic Gaelic tongue. Okay. 
Um, and uh, so, you know, this is set during you know, a point when the Brits have a certain level of control that will become controversial in decades uh, successive <laughs> to this, obviously. And the idea is you've got a, uh, a, a wandering deserter who has come home. He only speaks his native. He's very fiercely patriotic. Mm-hmm. He's returned to find that his country is not how he left it. The Brits have run everything into the ground. Um, everyone's starving. No one can afford to live in, live in their own home. His brother is dead. His mother is dead. Uh, three guesses who killed him, by the way. And um, he decides to uh, go out for a little bit of revenge, as it were. But it turns out that the the, the English have uh, a soldier in their employ, an enforcer in their employ, played by Hugo Weaving, who was this man's commanding officer in Afghanistan. And he is sent as part of a unit that also includes Barry Keehan, which suggests this might have been filmed a few years ago, by the way, because mm-hmm. he's noticeably younger and not any kind of a focus. Ah. So this is obviously pre-Dunkirk. Mm-hmm. Um, they are sent to you know, track him down, and I'm not going to spoil it for you, because obviously there are twists and machinations. The, the two parties will join forces at a point, as these stories always do. Here's a clip. I understand that it may further bolster your sense of injustice to blame me for your brother's demise. But I do not cause the crops to fail, and I am not responsible for people breaking the law. I am merely a servant of the court. I bid you good day. So it's a light-hearted family comedy. <laughs> yes, indeed. Yes, it's the ultimate rom-com. This is savage. Mm. I mean, it's awesome. But, I mean, I, I really went back to Ravenous. That, that's kind of where it took me with the... You know, that, that really dark... Uh, you know, grisly, in the woods, yeah. dirty, muddy, sort of a violent, hyper-violent film. Yeah. This is just raw as hell. Um, I mean, it's got genuine depth to it. There is a line, I, I pulled this up from, it, this is actually on his Wikipedia page, and I, I, I was astonished by this, but uh, Stephen Ree, uh, who, who has a role in the film, um, brought up, and I'd never considered this, uh-huh. It's actually kind of strange that a film has never been made set during the Great Famine. Yeah. That one seemingly passed Hollywood by Uh, for, what, a century? Yeah. Yeah. So in the 120 years or so that we've been making films, it turns out this is an entire element of history that we've just never captured. And it is right, because, like, as, you know, an English person, I don't know an awful lot about the Irish Famine. Yeah, because it's not something we're taught in school. So obviously, Well, obviously, we're the bad guys, so we don't get taught it. Yeah, but I mean, you know, the Germans do get taught about World War Two. I mean, yeah. if you really want to go down that route, then yeah. But uh, yeah, we don't come off well. But then again, we do learn about India, and we weren't exactly sparkly True. there. No, we Although we did kind of invent the G and T, so swings and roundabouts. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> yeah, I'm sure that's how they say it. Yeah, that's exactly how the Indians see it. I can, I can, I can attest. I'm sure, and I've, I've heard far, far worse from Indian friends of mine. Trust me, <laughs> 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 they, they really love to lay that one on they will guilt trip you it's great anyway um so hugo weaving you know standard hugo weaving performance this yeah. one i think is a, it's a bit more of an earthy performance than you would expect from him it's a little bit more on the the, the internal on the soulful level but freshville mm. who i'm shocked to learn is australian is just tremendous in this this dude is he's like a hulk mm. he's just 
dead eyes, big bushy beard, you know, silently walk up behind Michael Michael Myers style. This dude can just silently walk up behind you and snap your neck. You feel every ounce of the hate that runs through this guy. It's great. I, I have a tremendous time. I think Lance Daly has made this thing look incredible. Mm-hmm. The story is gripping. There's a hell of a cast. Like Jim Broadbent turns up. Uh, Stephen Rebar, Kian, I mentioned. You know, there's a great cast. And they're all doing their best. Mm-hmm. And I'm a bit out of love with Jim Broadbent at the minute because of uh, King of Thieves, which is terrible and no one should ever see it. <laughs> look forward to the box office top five. Sure. Um, but other than that, yeah, I, I mean, I had a great time with this. I thought this was tremendous. This is, you know, it, 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 it's a gristly, investable unmissable film the title I think is, is a bit weird because it kind of suggests like a Black 47 sounds like a sci-fi movie I mean to me this is a film which I almost ended up in yesterday oh you did didn't you yes <laughs> you went to the wrong because cinema. I went to the wrong screening <laughs> cinema I, you went to night school I went but to ended night up school halfway in and ended up and I walked in and I was like I'm here I'm pressed and they were like this is for Black 47 and I'm like I no, no idea I'm not here for that so I had to run across London to try and find. Anyway, uh, yeah, but if you had seen it, you'd have probably I'm sure liked I would have it. enjoyed it. But they all they had for this film promoting mm. it in that lobby was a big thing with the logo just constantly. Over. And to me, yeah, it looked like some. Honestly, it looked like to do with cars. Yeah, I could imagine that because the logo is kind of an industrial look. It's a very industrial sort of it's angular thing. It's very modern as well. Yes. It's a very modern logo. Yeah, and it just it, it did not like Black Forty Seven sounds like a car. So you'd agree with me then? Like clearly, the marketing for this is not quite it's not on, it's in not on tune with what it should for be. What the film is no. clearly going for. But it is a great movie. Everyone should see it. The end. Here's your first item. With the latest film news and reviews, this is off screen. The Movie Marker Radio Show and Podcast. And we're back, Mr. Prickett. So, uh, before we go on, before we talk about our next review, which is going to be Anchor and Hope, uh, should we do the Box Office Top 5? Yeah, sure thing. Let's get on that. Number 5. The Nun. The Nun. Did you see The Nun? I did not see The Nun. Oh, so when I ask you about your experience with The Nun, you have... None. <laughs> <laughs> Screw you. Um, which I, mean, I liked the nun, and I liked it a lot more than most critics. It seems because mm. I actually think this is the best Conjuring spin-off. I ha- I actually live with a guy who is very into the Conjuring stuff. Wait, there are people who yeah, are very there into are the Conjuring. People who are very into the Conjuring. Wow. Okay. Yeah. What, what, like, do you mean he, like he has T-shirts and posters? He and... understands the mythology. Wait, there's mythology to this? He can talk to you about it. Oh, wow. Okay, i got to meet you. i got to meet your flatmate. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that is insane. Um, this, for me, it has atmosphere. It has, you know, it doesn't have big scares. That's that's the problem. It's mm. no... I mean, it's a nun movie. It's set in a convent in Europe in the 50s. Mm. It's not entirely taking place at night. How does it not have any scares? I mean, it's got atmosphere, but it's got no scares. That's odd. You have a jump nun. scare. No, there's like two, okay. maybe. And also, I mean, to be honest with you, the scariest thing about the film is you come away thinking, okay, first of all, Vera Farmiga's younger sister looks exactly like Vera Farmiga did, like 15 years ago, which I'm very happy with. I love Vera Farmiga. I'm very happy that there is now a second one of her. And can we make this, this girl-buddy comedy happen? Mm. But uh, I appreciate, though, most critics did not like it. So, has someone uh, tweeted us about, about The Nun? Have they said anything affirmative, negative, whatever? Uh, yep, yeah, from Kathleen Austin at Hair Goddess Cat. We have went to see The Nun, sat in crazy rich Asians for 30 minutes before realising I was in the wrong movie. Missed half of The Nun. 
that, that's basically your life, isn't it? Yeah, pretty much. Number four. Okay, for number four, we've got King of Thieves. Which is dreadful. It's really <laughs> dreadful. Have I told you the thing they do with the dialogue in no. King of Thieves? You can love this, you can love this, right? So, the idea is one character says, This is Thingy the Thing. And then the other character says, Thingy the Thing, F <laughs> off. In a really big Cockney accent. And they do this like seven or eight times. So it's like, This is a Big Mac. A Big Mac, F off. But this is the whole script. <laughs> Someone on this movie worked on the theory of everything. I mean, that's an Oscar-winning film. This ain't winning squat. Do you know what baffles me about this? It seems that like exists. in British cinema at the moment, Charlie Cox is just a curse. <laughs> it really is. <laughs> right. I mean, it's a bad movie. It's really schlocky. It's really badly cast. It's so mischievous. They really want to paint these guys as, like, working-class heroes. Yeah. You know, like, yeah, they, they broke into a bank vault. Mm. I mean, they broke into a diamond vault mm. over the course of two days. We really can't find a way to make this that noble, but points for trying. Yeah. Frankly, it's about as successful as putting out a movie poster in which you, you know, identify all your stars by name, by surname, sorry, only to then get a little bit stumped by Cox. Because <laughs> <laughs> I was looking at a movie poster, Corny Cox, isn't it? <laughs> but uh, no. So, you know, I don't know. Has anyone tweeted us about the demonstrably terrible King of Thieves? Uh, yep, Jack Wright at Jack Wright 2017 has said. Wasn't expecting much from hashtag King of Thieves. Didn't get much, I'm guessing. And was right to do so. Ah! There was only one or two minutes of funny parts, and the rest was actually quite boring. Yeah, that's that's charitable. Number three. Number three, we've got Crazy Rich Asians. Now, have you seen this? No, but it's on my list, and I really want to. It should be on your list, and I think you'll love it. Uh, Do you like a good late 90s rom-com? I... I'm partial to a late 90s You are good. Okay. So like a Julia Roberts, vintage Julia Roberts kind of a thing. Like where we, why we love Sandy B. Exactly. Um, now imagine that with an entirely Asian cast. Yep. Then imagine that the whole show is overseen by Michelle Yeoh in full Joan Collins mode. <laughs> and then imagine that Aquafina, Jimmy Yang, Ken Jong et al show up one at a time to try and steal the show only for absolutely everyone to just be amazing and it just becomes like this who do you like more contest <laughs> also it stars Gemma Chan and hashtag Gemma Chan is life but absolutely uh, yes yes indeed and uh, I cannot every- wait for her in Captain Marvel no me neither like wait wait Gemma Chan's gonna play a Marvel alien mm-hmm. yeah I'm in I'm in, yeah, in. you yeah, got yeah, my money yeah. like I'm right there I'm in uh, so has anyone tweeted us about the joy that is crazy and this better be positive. Jessica at Almond Eyed Mum. I came to the theatre with my fiance and minivan. I left the theatre speaking Mandarin, looking for my Audi Spider, mistaking my fiance for the chauffeur. Hashtag crazy resolutions. That works. That absolutely works. Number two. Number two is a simple favour. Now, I've not seen this. Neither have I, but good God, I want to. Oh, I, I really do. I mean, I love Blake Lively. I love Kendrick. I mean, I, well, this is the thing. I've reached a stage where I, I'm more a fan of Blake Lively now, because of basically just because of her Instagram, I think. Uh, because of all the, the quippy... With the quippy, Ryan Reynolds. Yeah, yeah the yeah, Ryan yeah. Reynolds shtick. Yeah. This is fun. The hashtag couple girls. Yeah, exactly that. Like, I love her so much for the whole Ryan Reynolds uh, just screwing with him thing that yeah. she does, which... It just is couple goals. Um, but, you know, I kind of prefer Anna Kendrick now. Anna Kendrick has let me down. I've sat through two not very good Pitch Perfect sequels. That's you know. Uh, so there's that. Um, I do like Paul Feig, though. Has uh, has anyone tweeted in about it? Yes. Emma, at Emma G. Kernshaw. A simple favour. Never has a film left me feeling on edge and in suspense while making me belly laugh at the same time. Anna Kendrick and Blake Lively are... 
all caps, incredible. <laughs> and now I want to walk around in pantsuits and stilettos like the bad bitch I am. Nice. Although I'm going to put it out there. If she reacts to that, just wait till she sees the emoji movie. <laughs> Number one. Okay, number one is the house with the clock in its walls. Now, this strikes me as something you would enjoy, actually. This does strike me as something I would enjoy. Yes. Do you, I remember a couple of years ago, we, we, had to, we did this show once, like 2014. We mm. had to watch is it Strange Magic, the George Lucas animated cat movie. No, it was... So, oh, my God, what's it called? Is it House of Magic? House of House Magic, of that's Magic. The one, yeah. And then in other countries, it's Strange Magic. Yes. And right, imagine they made that live action with people. Huh. And Jack Black's in it. And Kate Blanchett's there in full Hella mode. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, Absolutely. I'm on record as saying if the trailer for this was a black screen and Kate Blanchett in costume just talking to camera saying, I'm a player badass in this. <laughs> like, oh, and Eli Roth's directing. I'd be straight yeah. there. I mean, don't get me wrong. As soon as I saw Eli Roth's name on the credits, I'm like, well, when's Lorenza turning up? <laughs> About 10 minutes in, and she has a decent sized role in this. It's, it's concerning how her entire career is founded upon nepotism. Fair but, uh, yeah. Um, I quite like the film. It's a better US Harry Potter setup than Fantastic Beast was. But then again, low bar. Yeah. Um, I had fun. Eli Roth plays with it because it's his biggest opening ever. It is, isn't it? Which is well, good it, for him. it turns out if you only make five million dollar torture porn fests yeah. and you then make a studio based, family friendly, you know, yeah. magic and you wizardry might make movie, some money. you might make might make a few quid. Yeah. Who knew? Insane. It, it's almost like Eli Roth went to film school. So, um, has anyone tweeted us about the house of uh, house of magic house with a clock in its walls? Cassidy Queerface at Cassidy Qface. Maybe it's the Xanax talking, or maybe I'm just jealous of the creepy decorations, but the house with a clock in its walls movie was super cute. Fair. Absolutely fair. So, um, let's talk then about uh, another film. This is this is not cute. I think this is meant to be cute. It, it's not. It's called Anchor and Hope, right? Which is named for uh, a canal side pub. I think this is meant to be London. I'm not entirely sure. It is meant sure. to be London. Is it meant to be London? Yeah. Okay. So, right, this stars Natalie. Is it Natalie Tenner? Mm-hmm. Natalie Tenner. Tonks. Yeah, it's Tonks. Tonks. It's Tonks. It's Tonks slash love interest from About a Boy. Oh. Takes you back that, doesn't it? Brands made. Brands Wildling made. Yes, in yes, in Game of Thrones. I can't remember her name either. No. <laughs> no, no, I can't. She was she was in it for like four episodes. There was a lot of murder. I think she was naked at one point. She got her boobs out, yeah. Yeah, I think that was I think that was a thing. Like mm. it's Game of Thrones, that that kind of sounds about right. Yeah. Um so this stars Natalie Tanner and Una Chaplin. So two Game of Thrones alums. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, they are a gay couple who live on a canal boat. They are very boho chic. They are very shortish. They are greeted one day by the arrival of Natalie Tanner, who I think for the purpose of the film is meant to be like half Spanish or something or Greek. She's lived in Barcelona at some point. Sure. She's, she's been around Europe. She has this friend who is uh, from Barcelona. She's lived in Barcelona, mm-hmm. who turns up to visit. Okay. He's... I think it would be polite to call him a bit of a boho asshole. Right. Um, you know, hipster beard, neck beard, yeah, yeah, plaid yeah, shirts, sure. floppy hair. Usual yeah. fun. Um, he decide, he moves in with them uh, for a few weeks while he's visiting, kind of, of thing. He Drinks himself senseless, fornicates to his heart's content, as one does. And a drunken conversation ensues one night in which the couple broach the conversation about having children. It is then decided that he will become their sperm donor. After which he will move in with them 
through the process of the pregnancy and then sign a contract and sort of leave. That, that's the implication. Uh, obviously, this doesn't quite work out this way. And what you have is a mumblecore drama about people stood around discussing... Have you ever been... Have you ever been at a house party, right? One of those that goes all night, like, mm-hmm. into the next day. And I know you don't drink, yeah. so the, this this may not have happened to you, but if it, you have witnessed it. When it's six in the morning and you're in the kitchen at a house party, passionately discussing absolute nonsense. Yeah, I've seen that. You've, you've seen that? Yeah, people just... Now imagine that for about an hour and 50 minutes. Kill me. Yeah, that's, being, that's me with this film. Right. It really was. So it's, it's a lesbian couple who have a guy come along who gives them a kid. Yes. Wasn't David Tennant in? <laughs> that was my exact point. David Tennant did this exact movie as a comedy. I remember I saw this, a trailer for that. Yeah. It was awful. He even played like a Shoreditchy hipster. Yeah. It was insane. It starred Lucy Punch. Yeah. As, yeah, that exact movie, only this one is boho chic and takes place on a canal boat. Like, it's got that look of, we really love Sundance London. We really do. We're all about the SL. We are. Um, It's just mind-numbing, just to say the least. It is tedious. It's plodding. It goes on for what feels like about four years. (laughs) I mean, in fact, it's like being sober and being forced to put up with someone at 6am at that at that kitchen. Yeah, yeah, I've done that. It's my... That's your curse in life. Yeah. yeah. Well, don't be teetotal. Anyway, <laughs> um, it is complete rubbish. Yeah. I just, I mean, like, funny story. Funny story, right? Mm-hmm. You, you, behind the scenes, you, you know, we have the WhatsApp groups and everything yeah, for, for Movie Market. And we, we have to delegate reviews and things. This film came up. Okay, this came up and someone had seen it. And I'm not going to name the person, but someone had seen it and refused to review it. <laughs> Before I'd seen it, and refused to review it on the grounds of, I'm sorry, I just came out of that film so angry that if I write a review, we're going to get hate. <laughs> and my response was, that's perfectly fine. Yeah. I'll take that. I've seen some crap. Yeah. I mean, I sat through 2006's Ultraviolet starring Mila Jovovich. That movie doesn't even have a plot. <laughs> I start through there. I managed to give DOA Dead or Alive starring Holly Valance a semi-decent review once. And to be fair, it's almost entirely based on the towel fight early on. Obviously. But, yeah. So, believe it or not... I have a friend, a female friend, who unironically enjoys that movie. I gotta meet this person. Yeah. It's not Scarlet, is it? It's not, no. Uh, That surprises me. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I have sat through all of that. And I still came away from this, and my first thought was, do you know what? She was absolutely right. That is dreadful. Uh, like, wow. It's gonna. It's a movie that's going to have its fans, but you're going to hate those people. Pretty much. With the latest film news and reviews, this is Offscreen. The Movie Marker radio show and podcast. And we're back, Mr. Prickett. So, uh, reminder, email van at moviemarker.co.uk or uh, just, just, just email and tell us uh, our three ident themes for this week. Give us your address. You will win a DVD. Again, we should stress, cannot promise it'll be a good DVD. I mean, it might actually be DOA, Dead or Alive. We don't know. Although, I, I haven't seen Dead or Alive in a few years. Like, I'd watch that again. Lucky you. <laughs> well, you have a friend who loves it, so... Yeah, I do. Dude, I paid, like, eight quid to go to the cinema and see Dead or Alive. <laughs> eight quid to the cinema, those are the days. I was in Milton Keynes City World, too. <laughs> you know, the one next game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay, so let's talk about, uh, let's talk about British comedy. Okay. Let's look at a picture book. 
The big book of British smiles. So, uh, Dusty and Me, which is a 94-minute comedy. I want to lead that one straight off the bat. This is a 94-minute British comedy. It is set in 1977. It largely follows the adventures of a boy and his dog. Said boy is played by Luke Newberry, who I recognised, and I couldn't place him. So the whole way through this movie, I'm like, who is this, like, Poundland Donald Leeson that's on here? And it turned out he's the face on the poster for that zombie series about the zombies who come back, like The Returned or something like that, or, you know, the one, like a BBC Three series where the zombies are sort of reintegrated into society. He is the face on the poster for that. Okay. And they say, what, this basically takes the form of, we don't have a clip, by the way, because it's a fairly low-rent film. They've not put an awful lot out. Okay. Um, so Luke Newberry's in there. The name on the poster sort of stuff. You know there's usually that and credits? Yes. Yeah, yeah. And that's always the one person you recognise. Yeah, 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 yeah. Ian Glenn. Ooh. Ian Glenn is the and star here. Okay. And, he, and by the way, just a mental hairpiece. Just good for him. I, I like that Ian Glenn's career has reached a stage where he can pull off just the most ludicrous hairpiece. I mean, Khaleesi would not approve. Um, so th- this is the story of a, a boy who returns home from his private boarding school. His Yorkshire family are uh, a little bit more working class than him. Uh, there is a, so there's a culture barrier there. He takes in a, uh, a stray dog, a greyhound, who he just crosses paths with, who happens to belong to the local hard nut, played by Ian Glenn. And uh, his older brother, who's also a bit of a Jack the Lad hard nut type, always off doing a con, occasionally has to go and hide in Spain for a week, things like that. And, you know, there's a romance in there. And did I mention this is set in the 70s because they will run that into the ground? Of course. They will absolutely run the ground. This really wants some of that East is East character. Mm-hmm. You know the way that East is East is so quintessentially a 70s film? Yeah. And it has that fun, acerbic, almost cartoonish British style. This is trying for that. Unfortunately, East is East had a decent script. This does not. Yeah. And boy, does it show. It's 77. Do they walk past a cinema? <laughs> Star Wars on the side. It's that level yeah. of really on the nose. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, I mean, the funny thing is, I live in Yorkshire. Yorkshire looked the same in 1977 as it does in 2018. So, you know, there, there is that. I mean, if you want to be technical about it's good it. good for period pieces. Yeah, for period pieces. That's why Doctor Who was filmed in... Uh, that's why I'm, I'm sure Doctor Who was filmed in Sheffield for that reason. Mm. Because it's a time travel show. And how else do you replicate the 70s. <laughs> Good the Park Hill Flats. That's basically it. Um, so this is, I mean, it's rubbish. Yeah. I, I can't possibly call it anything other than rubbish. I didn't laugh. I wasn't charmed by it. I mean, I paid attention because obviously occupationally I have to, but I really didn't want to. Okay. I mean, it, it's one of those films that you do sit there and think like, thank God they don't allow you to just take your phone out in cinemas because yeah. I swear to God, I'd have been on Twitter the whole time. Yeah, there's just there's nothing. There. There's, yeah, it, it's 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 purely a waste. So, um, some film news for me. Okay. Oh, anything happened this week of note? Yeah, they have announced they being Marvel Studios that they will be using James Gunn's script for Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Three. Okay, so we're keeping Batista then. Yes, <laughs> that's basically yeah. that's the takeaway. <laughs> yeah, essentially, they so, looked at it and went, ah, "It's not worth it." Yeah, it might be setting up twenty years of our future projects, so we might yeah. have to use that. Yeah, yeah. Turns out we have just hired a director for the the, the, the Eternal. Yeah. Yeah. Might be an idea to keep James Gunn's setup around. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, plus, you know, Case will be disappointed if we never get Glenn Powell to play Adam Warlock. So, you know, there's that. Glenn Powell needs a Marvel movie so badly. <laughs> isn't he in, he's in Top Gun 2, isn't he? Yes. You know, they actually yeah. created a role for him in Top Gun yeah, 2 because they, they just did. liked him that much. Yeah. The moral of the story is, when Glenn Powell exists, don't hire Miles Teller. Oh, God, if I knew everyone. That <laughs> I don't imagine that. I really hate Miles Teller. Do you really? This hate is Miles completely Teller? unrelated. I just have to get this out. I can't stand his snaggletooth little face. Really? He's got the most punchable face in Hollywood today. He has. Isn't he permanently scarred on the face from an accident? God, I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> well, I remember reading an interview with him years ago, and he just came across as a complete douchebag he, about it. He but... is. He's just. All right, we, we, you know, I, we, we can, we'll discuss Miles Teller in the podcast extras because <laughs> there is stuff to say about Miles Teller. Also, Sean William Scott exists, who is a better version. Anyway, um, so let's talk about the wife. Yeah, because the wife of Glenn Close. Which, I don't know if you know, it's on, it's on buses, it's on the underground, it's, yeah. uh, it's being marketed. Mm-hmm. And this stars Glenn Close, it stars Jonathan Price and Max Irons. So, okay. he whose dad gives very awkward interviews, yeah. it seems. Yeah, that was that's still the strangest interview anyone, any actor has ever put out. I mean, that was that was Quincy Jones level out of this world. <laughs> Jeremy Irons saying, I'm going to marry my son. But uh, I don't know, Tom Cruise jumping on a sofa. He's going to marry his son for tax reasons, Calvin. <laughs> Jeremy, Alfred the butler is going to marry his son for tax reasons. Yeah, good. The star of Dead Ringers thinks he can marry his son for tax reasons. <laughs> the man who is, <laughs> I kid you not, still the narrator for the uh, behind-the-scenes experience at Disneyland Paris. Is he? Yes. No way. Yeah. Oh, you were there recently. Yeah. So uh, this, uh, this, I thought this was a political drama because it's positioned and it looks and it's marketed like a political drama. Okay. It's not. Whereas Glenn Close is uh, a wife who has given up her career effectively at the point of marriage. So okay. she's, she fell in love with her, I think, literature professor, who okay. is played, incidentally, is played in flashback form by, I don't know the name of the actor, but he's from Doctor Who. He's Mother of Mine, the one who keeps the... The, the, the pocket watch episode of David Tennant's yeah, Doctor Who. Yeah, yeah. The one who keeps saying mother of mine. The creepy ass The dude. creepy one who plays Viserys in... <laughs> yes, Game yes he does. Oh. Thank you. Because everything in life traces back to Game of yeah, Thrones. Yeah, I'm yeah. having that shirt made. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, he's, he's plays it in game prequel form. I'm not sure who the relatively unknown actress is plays young Glenn Close. Okay. But the idea is that uh, they have fallen in love, uh, they got married, she gives up her career to basically take on a subordinate role as effectively... He's editor slash ghostwriter. Okay. It's now uh, the early 90s. We flash forward to the early 90s, which is our present day. She is Glenn Close. He is Jonathan Price. And he is offered the Nobel Prize for Literature, which, as you can imagine, might set off a, a few certain triggers. Yeah. Um, we have a clip, but before we get to this clip, I want to just, just stress one other thing about this plot. Christian Slater is in this. Ooh. Which automatically elevates anything. Yeah. Christian Slater is the journalist who is writing about the the new literature prize winner. That's fun. And chooses to interview him, chooses to get to know him through interviews with his wife, which of course brings more to the surface. We have a clip. Where have you been? I've been worried sick about you. <laughs> Why? It's only 4.30. Yeah, but look how dark it is already. Don't do this to me. Don't disappear on me like this. I didn't disappear. I went out for a couple of hours. So what have you been doing all day? I walked around, went into a couple of stores, looked in a couple of shops. How did the rehearsal go? Sorry, you've been smoking? 
I can smell it. I went into a cafe and it was filled with smoke. Ugh. You've been drinking too? Yeah, I had a vodka. In the middle of the day? Yes, Joe, in the middle of the day. You know, Johnny, you can't be doing this. You can't be showing up at functions with alcohol on your breath. You are the star of the big show, so why would anyone possibly care? So this is actually really good, really gripping. I mean, it's it's what it says on the tin. Yeah. You, you you know what you're getting. The film is never better than Glenn Close's performance. Glenn Close's performance is the film. Okay. And to be fair, the marketing would seem to be aware of that because she's front, she's centre, yeah. she's positioned in a way that kind of says... This is the Oscar role. Yeah. Getting this is Glenn Close going for an Oscar. Exactly. And and I did sit there like through this thinking, wow, I I I mean, I love Glenn Close. And mm. some of my favourite things ever feature Glenn Close, like uh The Shield, for instance. The Shield uh, for one year of it actually has. And of course the live action one hundred and two Dalmatians. But what do you mean the live action one hundred and two? Was there an animated one hundred and two? Yeah. I thought in animated form it's one hundred and one Dalmatians too. Which is the weirdest title anyone's ever come up with. Sure. I mean, it's not Happy Death Day to You, which that is the is greatest title ever, by the way. So, thank you. Who is it? Does I think it's Universal. That mm. thank you, Universal. That was a good one. Mm-hmm. That is, and it's also worth pointing out. Universal did once coin the title "Too Fast, Too Furious." So, Universal, <laughs> good with titles. Good with titles. Hats off to them. Um, in the meanwhile, so you've got this. This is. Actually, it's a really solid, really grounded, well-made drama. It's the kind of film I think would be too highbrow for very middle-of-the-road audiences. Mm-hmm. I couldn't show this to my mum, for instance, without knowing she'd get bored, pause it, and go and make a cup of tea. Okay. But I think it's a tremendous performance. Mm-hmm. I don't think the film is as good as that performance. Right, okay. And the, the, it's simply because the story is a little bit too predictable. It's a little bit too extended. It's a little bit too uh, phoned in, a little bit too telegraphed. Mm-hmm. However, Glenn Close brings enough investability to that that you do go along with it. You do think, okay, this is, I'll, I'll go with this. I you know, know every single beat that's coming. I know the beat, but I'm enjoying the rhythm you're putting yeah. out to it. Yeah. And Christian Slater's is there. So, you know, that's always a good thing for me. Like, most things in life are better with Christian Slater. I was what were the Glenn Close things I was going to Damages, that was another one. I love, loves me some damages. Uh, Albert Nobbs, big fan of that. Um, trying to think what's, oh, Fatal Attraction, you know. It scared the bleep out of every man in America. So, yeah, uh, The Wife is in cinemas this Friday. Absolutely check that out. With the latest film news and reviews, this is Offscreen, the Movie Marker radio show and podcast. Adele Dazeem there, ladies and gentlemen. So, uh, <laughs> on to... <laughs> That takes you back, doesn't it? Oh, God. <laughs> so, uh, on to our, our, our last big review of the week. Let's talk about Night School. Yes. Uh, which is... I mean, Night School is everything you think it's going to be, yeah, isn't absolutely. it? It absolutely if, is. If you've seen one trailer for Night School... <laughs> you've seen the you, movie. You know what the movie you're getting. And yet, I don't know about you, I enjoyed it. Yeah. I had a good time. Like, it's fine. In two weeks' time, I will remember... Nothing about it. Probably, yeah. But I yeah. enjoyed it. I think in two weeks' time, when I remember it, I'm going to remember like an episode of Community and that sequence in Spider-Man Homecoming where he talks to Liz by the trophy cabinet or something like that. I'll probably <laughs> visually that's what I'm going to remember. But I did enjoy it. So the setup here is: stop me if you've heard this one before. Um, uneducated high school dropout screw up has to go back to high school. That's the setup. Mm-hmm. Kevin Hart has at some point freaked out into, and we're shown this in a weird 
weirdly staged sequences of flashbacks. Yeah. Um, in which Kevin Hart with cornrows <laughs> and a football jersey, because that's apparently how you look 17 when you're like 40. Uh, <laughs> they didn't even do the rock thing where they no, put him in a fat suit and CG de-aged him. Um, although, how weird is it that both those guys have those movies where they flash back to themselves in high school oh, and God. yet they're in like two movies together? Yeah. Well, never mind. Anyway, so uh, Kevin Hart's freaked out in a in an exam, in his final SAT exam or whatever. Um, he's gone on down this whole faux political, oh, I'm going to fight the man angle. Yeah. Turns out he's just not very smart, as we're told at the time. Um, drops out of high school. You flash forward 20-odd years or whatever till he's Kevin Hart age. He now drives a Porsche. I don't know how he affords it. Um, he drives a Porsche. He works in a barbecue uh, grill sales place. Yeah. Um, he's got a frankly stunning fiance who is way out of his league. Way, way, way out so of his far. league. And the movie never stops reminding you of this. It's actually a plot point. <laughs> it's actually a plot point that Megalyn Echikunde is way out of the league. Way. Just so far. <laughs> Can we also just take a minute, by the way? How nice is it to see Megalyn Echikunde in a movie? Mm-hmm. Like, I've been in love with Megalyn Echikunde since about 2004. So, I was a big fan of the 4400. So that's kind of where, and obviously to you, she's Vixen from yeah, Arrow. Arrow. Yeah, and isn't she? Does she has an animated spin-off as well? Yeah, doesn't she? Like, yeah. She voices Vixen in the. Uh, and now we have her grandmother as a character on yeah. uh, Legends of Tomorrow, and because she, time travel, because time travel, and also apparently you just couldn't do too much with the current one because I'm guessing a certain studio might have plans to announce nine films starring her <laughs> that they'll never make. Anyway, yeah. um, so back to the point. Megalyn Echikunde, great. Check her out. Anyway, um, she's in this film. She's terrific. She's way out of Kevin Hart's league. The film would like to remind you of this. He goes back to night school to get his GED after he burns down the, <laughs> the, <laughs> the barbecue, barbecue place. place. He works for. Um, in, into this mix come the usual assortment of uh, miscreant classmates. Yeah. You know, everyone has a different personality. It's kind of like The Predator, where they introduce characters and each one just has a single line to yeah. sum up their... And by the way, you've not seen it, but Predator, The Predator literally features a moment in which all the characters are introduced that way. And Keegan-Michael Key is introduced with, oh, this is Keegan-Michael Key, he tells jokes. <laughs> and you're like, cool, I'm in, Shane, cool, just, just go with it. I mean, the movie's terrible, but I'm in for that. Um, nice, cool, better movie than The Predator. Anyway, uh, so he goes back to uh, school, he goes back to his old high school. His high school rival is now the principal. Uh-huh. There's a prolonged gag about how he's a white man who likes to speak black. His, uh, this is... My house. That is exactly how he delivers exactly it as well. Yeah. Um, the teacher is Tiffany Haddish mm-hmm. because she's having that moment at the moment. It's 2018. It's 2018. <laughs> and she's having Kevin Hart's 2014 moment. Yeah. So why not put them in a film together? And I tell you what, here's a clip that's going to set the tone for this movie rather nicely. My suspicions were right, and you, my friend, are dyslexic. That's what I got. I knew it. Now that you say it, it makes sense. You also have a processing disorder. I got a touch of prostate cancer. She didn't touch my ass one time. I said processing disorder. I'm not processing it. I didn't process none of that. You are just one big, beautiful, mixed drink of learning disabilities. Okay. So how do we fix it? Let's talk solution. Well, there's no cure for what you have. Oh, my God. I got learning herpes? <laughs> yeah, so you, you laughed. You, you, yeah. you laughed just hearing that back. And you've seen the movie. Yeah. So you, you kind of know concept. I like the idea that they do bring in, um, actually, he's he's dyslexic. Yeah. And, okay, good. Like, because I actually can't remember the last time there was a mainstream Hollywood film that actually dealt with 
not learning disabilities, not, not mental health, yeah. like that. but um, in terms of dealing with a, a very commonplace condition. Yeah. Because obviously dyslexia is a lot more common than, for instance, depression. Depression obviously is very common. Dyslexia is even more common. Yeah. And it is really interesting that it's taken till 2018 yeah. <laughs> to see that brought up in a film. Yeah. I mean, they, they do portray it very oddly. Oh, they do play it like they that weird Rain like Man riff scene from The Hangover? Yeah. You know, was that Garfanarchist name? Yeah, 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 yeah. But yeah, we, we commented on Minority Report because yeah. he starts batting, he starts batting things away, out the way and it, moving it around. Yeah. But to be fair, it, it's what it says on the tin. I yeah. mean, we sat down to watch this. It was last night. It was the last yeah. night we sat and watched this. And pretty much from the minute the credits start, you know what's coming in this. Yeah, absolutely. So you're going to get that weird hip hop, uh, was it? Intro sequence, yeah. Uh, what's, what's his production company logo? Heartbeat. Oh, heartbeat, heartbeat. Yeah. So you get the weird, like, hip hop uh, label heartbeat logo at the beginning, and then it says a Will Packer production. You're like, of course it is. Yeah, uh, of course it is, because I swear there hasn't been a mainstream black comedy in about ten years that uh, Will Packer hasn't been in some way involved with. Does does he just? Is that the condition? Now? That's what he does. Yeah. Like, That's his thing. I feel like when uh, What Men Want comes out in six months' time, it's going to turn out that is a Will Packer movie. If that is a Will Packer movie, and I haven't checked it out, by the way, just just, just consider me a genius. Anyway, <laughs> uh, but it's it's Will Packer producing. It's Malcolm D. Lee directing. Yeah. Tiffany Haddish is in there. Kevin Hart. In there. This is like, in some ways, it's this strange, think-like-a-man level, all-star black comedy. Black- uh, audience comedy. I was going to say black comedy, realizing that no, those usually star Jack Black and are directed by Richard Linklater. But uh, yeah, and I loved this. I had such a great time with it. I don't think it's a very good film. No, it's 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 absolutely not. But there are moments in it which I will remember. Exactly. There are a couple, like there is a there is an extended bit with Rob Riggle oh, God. where he has to try. <laughs> And you see it coming a mile away. He has to try and jump the from the top fall, of a building yeah. to another to another lower building. And yeah. you watch it and you know what's coming. Everything's telegraphed. It's the <laughs> most base level humour. And it's performed with such confidence that it gets it, the Yeah, laugh. they really commit to that bit. Actually, that's a strange thing as well, Bobby. Did you notice that that didn't turn up in any of the marketers? Yeah. And you start thinking, that's so weird, because that that's the, usually the moment that you just dump into the trailer yeah. out of laziness. But okay, yeah. yeah. You held that one back? Fine. It's basically Mission Impossible Fallout with a giggle. But, <laughs> yeah. If you know the bit from Mission Impossible. Um, yeah, I, I came away from it thinking pretty much the same as you. I, I came away thinking, like, in, in a fortnight, I'm not remembering any of this. No, but it was fun. But I enjoyed it. I thought Tiffany Haddish was fun. I thought Kevin Hart was fun. Uh, Marilyn Rascoob twerking is not something I ever thought I would uh, see. Amazing. So I have now witnessed Chloe from 24 twerking. Yeah. Who, I think it's who saw that coming? Definitely the kind of thing that if you've got Limitless or whatever the Cineworld equivalent is. Just Unlimited at Cineworld. Yeah, they one. got their first, so they got the good name. You're going to go see it and you'll have a good time. Hang on, so, oh, uh, and then there's the Light Infinity. Those, those are your cards oh, now. Christ. So you've got uh, Odeon, Limitless, Light Infinity, Cineworld Unlimited. And uh, if you're in America with a movie pass, I'm sorry. Yes, if you're in America with a movie pass, you are funding idiots. Um, who also funded Gotti. But never mind. Christ. They really did. Oh, having said that, though, they did fund American Animals. So, you know, there's there's that. American Animals is kind of the best film of this year. Really? Did you not know that? No. You need to watch American Animals very badly. Yes. Imagine being able to say, that Evan Peters, good actor. Never thought I'd be able to say that. Yeah. And and I've seen X-Men Apocalypse. Anyway, 
<laughs> not to go uh, vitriolic on the X-Men franchise there. Why does Magneto lift things? Why does he not do anything else? Anyway, um, Night School's very good. Uh, check that out. I mean, statistically, most people are gonna. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm not going to give it film of the week. It's not really a film of the week film, I think. I mean... It's not trying to be. No. I don't know. Film of the week. I'm tempted. I'm actually really tempted to go with The Wife, actually. I mean, it's the only one you've given a mostly positive review to. That isn't a backhanded compliment. Like, Well, I mean, I still said, like, the film is only as good as Glenn Close's performance. And, yeah, but... But if Glenn Close's performance is as Oscar-worthy as you seem to suggest, then... Yeah, yeah, that's true, that's true, that's true. Okay, well, anyway, go see The Wife. The Wife is really good. Um, we, we've seen other movies that are out in other weeks that we can't talk mm. about yet, but, uh, yeah. So, um... <laughs> so, Ryan Gosling starring... Yeah, let's, let's not talk about that. <laughs> it's bad enough getting hate mail at 8 in the morning. <laughs> From other film critics. Oh God! Yeah, yeah, that one's a fun story. Anyway, um, so let's uh, let's look ahead at next week. So next week, funnily enough, we've, we've got two films that are actually made available to us this week. Right. So a thousand girls like me is next week, and uh, Tehran Taboo is next week. That, by the way, looks exactly like a Scanner Darkly. You know, Linklater's. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the rotoscoped animation thing. Yeah. That is that's out next week. It's set in in Tehran. It deals with the sexual politics of living in Tehran. Shot in the st- shot and sort of captured in the style of uh, uh, Scarlet Ugly. So next week as well, of course, you kind of missed it. A Star Is Born is out. So uh, starring B Cooper and El Garga. Uh, we've also got uh, July twenty two, which is a oh no, that's the week after. That's Netflix. Then we've got Columbus. We've got Strange Ways. Here we come. We've got the documentary Kusama Infinity. We've got Blind Spotting. We've got Johnny English Strikes Again. You know that sequel you were really gagging for. I mean, I came out of that first one with... Was it Natalie Imbruglia or Christine Blakely? I can never tell them apart anymore. Both. Both. Um, one of them was in the first one, and then they made a sequel unexpectedly like a decade later, and now they've made another one. I don't know why, but I'm just happy that Julian Anderson's in it, because awesome. Um, and then, of course, last, but certainly by no means least, and not handled badly on a press front at all, Venom is upon us next week. So... Yeah. Did you know Venom's not getting a national pressure? I did know that. Yeah. It's going to be a disaster. Wow. It's going to suck. That's going to be this year's fantastic stick. It really is. That is going to be. That's absolutely what this is going to yeah. be. Um, can we also just point out, by the way, that you can also go and watch Upgrade like right now, yeah, just go and just that. see the same movie just starring a very similar-looking dude. Only it's not gonna suck. Just go watch Upgrade. Yeah, yeah. Don't. Okay, what what is the story with Tom Hardy's agent? Do you know what? Podcast extras. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so all those to come and more next week off screen. In the meanwhile, this has been a Candy Store production for Movie Marker. I've been Van Connor. I've been Calvin Pruggett. And we'll be back. Just show me the way to get out of here and I'll be on my way. You've been listening to Off Screen. For more news and reviews, visit onscreenfilm.com. Podcast extras then, Mr. Prickett. And yes. uh, we only have one film left to review this week, mm-hmm. which is Redcon 1. Um, I mean, to be honest, you could fit a review of Redcon 1 onto the back of a cocktail napkin. It's not especially a complex film, but uh, we'll get there, we'll get That's there. What we What's that about? <laughs> All right, we'll just do it now and get it out of the way. So, you know those uh, adverts you used to get in cinemas? In fact, yeah. I think you still do. The Royal Marine Commandos adverts. Oh, yes, those. Right. In fact, before I get to that review, a little sidebar. You know when Dog Soldiers came out, like, 17, 16, 17 years ago. Uh-huh. Did you ever see the marketing campaign for it? 
You remember how old I am. Uh, well, I do, yeah. But uh, what they did was they made fake Royal, Com- Royal Marines Commandos adverts. Right. And they put them in cinemas Brilliant. next to the actual Royal, Com- <laughs> Royal Marines Commandos adverts. And what they did was they made the same exact advert, but then a werewolf showed up. That's fantastic. Yes. And it was tremendous. And always remember, nobody knew who Neil Marshall was at the time. It's brilliant. <laughs> oh, God, I love dog soldiers. What was the... What was it? Where's Spoon? There is no Spoon. <laughs> love that movie. Okay, Defcon 1. No, 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 no not Defcon Red 1. Redcon 1. Redcon 1. Oh, okay. So, imagine you filmed one of those adverts, uh-huh. but you made it a zombie movie. Oh, okay. So it's Dog Soldiers with Zombies. Dog Soldiers with Zombies. It's a little bit sub 28 days later because they do a lot of that. We've got this one street in Hoban cleared at 7 a.m. Yeah. for like 15 minutes. So put the grain filter on, get them in uniform, go and film this. <laughs> and then a lot of it seems to have been filmed like somewhere in like some Scotland industrial estate or something. But it's a film in which there are a lot of establishing shots with CG enhanced buildings oh. only to then cut to the actual scene and it's clearly not taking place in anywhere near the same location. <laughs> Like, at one point, there's three tower blocks that have yeah. been burnt out in a computer. Like, they've been made to look like Grenfell in a tower, right. in, a, in a computer. Wonderful. Um, but then you cut to the actual people, and they're clearly just walking next to an apartment building. Yeah. Like, one apartment building. You've just seen three towers, here's one apartment building. It, it's that level of filmmaking. Okay. It's not quite got anything inherently cinematic to it. It's not got the, uh, the, the, the that weird aesthetic that we attribute to mainstream film. It's, it's sub-BBC3 filmmaking. If you told me it was filmed on an iPhone, mm. I would feasibly believe you. Right. Okay. I, I could I could possibly believe you if you told me it was made on an iPhone. The general gist is uh, zombieism has happened. So much of the UK is quarantined, and I, if I'm funnily enough, it seems to be most of Norfolk and like Cambridge and London and Essex. It seems to be that corner section of the UK has been quarantined, which means my mum's doomed. <laughs> I think your mum's doomed as well, actually, going by the map. But our mums are, our mums are dead in this reality. Anyway, um, they're probably still complaining, to be fair. But... <laughs> my mother, even as a zombie, would just be wandering around her house puffing up pillows. Oh, no, my mother, if she was a zombie, would just be walking around, carrying a chihuahua and chain-smoking. But uh, and, and then complaining... Does not surprise me. And then complaining about Brexit. Why has this not happened already? Despite the fact that nobody has benefited from immigration quite like my mother. But anyway, um, <laughs> historical irony. But go back into it. So the idea is the a squad of kind of mixed nationality soldiers, like, you know, eight Brits, one Japanese-American and one American, are sent into the quarantine zone to find a scientist, I think? Okay. And then... Retrieve them and get the cure. I think the movie's not very good about exposition. Okay, it's not. I mean, at one point, I mean, the the, 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 the exposition in it is terrible. Yeah, it is demonstrably fucking terrible exposition. Okay, it is literally a case of two people will be walking down a corridor. They will stop dead in that corridor to deliver exposition and then resume walking. Why? It, I, Christ knows. Christ knows, could not tell you. So the whole thing's shot like through what looks like an iPhone. It's got that stark iMovie grain filter put over it as well. To be fair to it, as far as shit knockoffs of 28 Days Later and Doomsday go, this is not the worst one I've seen. But again, that's a pretty low bar. Doomsday wasn't even that good, and Neil Marshall directed that. 
you, you know, I mean, they couldn't even make a big deal out of the fact they actually got Alexander Siddig to be the PM. But uh, remember him? Remember Julian Bashir? Remember him? Oh, God. Yeah. Anyway, turns out still acting. Also, he was in Syriana. Everyone forgets that. Was he? Yeah. Played a shake in Syriana. Killed Matt Damon's son. Anyway. <laughs> Yeah, in a swimming pool accident, I think, memory serves. It was 12 years ago. Anyway, <laughs> I just remember George Clooney started getting awards buzz around that time. But uh, also, I had to talk a girlfriend into seeing Syriana. Harder than you'd think. Yeah. So, actually, not harder than you think. That movie does not sell well. It's a good movie, though. But uh, Redcon 1 is not a good movie. No. Redcon 1 is demonstrably not a good movie. Redcon 1 is a slog. It really is. How long is it? I think it was about 19 minutes or so. And how long does it feel? About four years. Yeah. About four years, yeah. It feels like the wait time between Tron sequels, if you know what I mean. Christ. (laughs) 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 Uh, I mean, it's terrible. I'm just kidding. It's terrible. Don't see it. But, I mean, I think the, the wittiest comment I managed to come up with on it is it has the narrative precision of a PS1 game. Ah. Yes. So, PS1 storytelling, mm. PS3 visuals. Yeah. yeah. A- avoid, then. Avoid, yeah. It ain't no PS4, if you get yeah. what I mean. Yeah, you know. So, that is Redcon 1, that's the last review of the week. I mean... I'm so glad we saved that one to last. We've given some shit reviews this week. <laughs> I love that you brought me in on such a stellar A-list week. Well, I wanted to give you night school, you know. Mm. I mean, Lord knows that screening wasn't funny enough. That screening was very fun. That screening was great. That screening was great. Also, what I don't understand this. This screening last night, is it me, or was it empty until the film started? Yeah. And then everyone showed up. And then it was overflowing. Like, people were sitting in the aisles. Yeah. It was insane. Like, what's what's so difficult about 6 for 6.30? They literally give you a buffer zone. Mm Mm-hmm. That's a half an hour buffer zone. It that screen was empty at six. Didn't even start until thirty five. I was like, "What the hell are doing?" <laughs> yeah, they started like still no one showed yeah. up on time. <laughs> uh, fun movie though. Fun, yeah. Fun movie. I had a laugh. Also, Meglin Echikunde. Yeah. Um, God, I love that woman. Yeah. But uh, uh, if if you are that way inclined to go and see this film, it's worth noting that she is in her underwear at one point. No, no, no. She's not just in it. She's in over-the-top, excessive, yeah. Maxim-style lingerie. Yeah. And you're like, of course they did that, yeah, because did. it's not like they were going to find anything useful for Megalina Chikunde to God, do in God this movie. Them. So, eye candy it is. I'm... There's stuff in there, actually, incidentally, yeah. that I really would have liked that film to explore more. Like I feel like, because the whole premise of, of Night School hinges on the idea that he is, as he puts it, he lives paycheck to paycheck. Yeah. And, you know, he's, he's like, uneducated, doesn't have a GED. Yeah. Um, like, he's stuck with this. Yeah. Every, She's everything a high is just about getting yeah, past. He just about pays off his apartment. He, he pays for his Porsche week by week. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And it gets repossessed at one point. <laughs> yeah. That was in the trailer as well, incidentally. Yeah. Um, but the whole thing that she's the breadwinner, that mm. you know, the, well, the, unknowingly she is the breadwinner, yeah. that that she you know is is of of more of more prominent financial stature than he is. I think there's a class element that they're trying mm. to introduce, but that's the thing; they don't go there. No. And I would like to have seen. I feel like the film would have gone up a whole other level mm. if they had actually explored things like that class divide. Mm. If they had explored the wealth gap between them. And especially in 2018, she's a black woman in 2018. Yeah. Like, what screenwriter turned down that potential? (laughs) 
You could have done that in a movie with an African-American woman in 2018. You could have done that. Wow! That's just... I mean, in terms of missed potential, that's... That's up there. I also wouldn't have minded more fleshing out for the rest. Of, like, I wouldn't have minded shrinking down the rest of the night school class. But I mean, they're not spending a bit longer with them. Were they not introduced until an hour in? Am I mistaken? Yeah, yeah no, they weren't. Because it is weird that that movie does take about an hour to get to its own premise. Yeah, that was. I was. I was. It was at the point where he was proposing to her in a barbecue shop. <laughs> yeah, the trailer moment. Yeah, yeah, where I was like. We're 40 minutes I into this, this man. This was the start. Where, yeah, we're 40 minutes in. Where, yeah. You brought out John Ralphio three you've, times. You've not been to school yet. <laughs> yeah, this is night school. None of this has been at night or at a school yet. Yeah. So, are we, are we getting to this? Right, here's my thing. I hate that with movies. Mm. Um, my, my, my thing when I came out of Sex and the City 2 years ago. <laughs> Funny story, funny story. I am the first uh, email read out by Kermode after the uh, after the Sex and the City 2 reveal. <laughs> Which, for film criticism, technically makes me a part of history, because that rant of his is epic still. <laughs> uh, my thing when I came out of Sex and the City 2 was, wait a minute, it took them an hour to get to Abu Dhabi. The trailer for this is 128 seconds long. Mm. They're in Abu Dhabi in nine seconds in that trailer. How have you taken an hour? This ain't Batman. He don't need to be a ninja yet. You know, you don't have to have Liam Neeson teach him ninja school. That takes an hour. Fine. But you're Carrie going... falling over when one of the other girls telling her you forgot to mind your footing. Ca- Carrie and the gals go on their holes. That don't take an hour. No. You know what I mean? You could you could reasonably start with they're in the airport. You reasonably could. Yeah, an hour, though. An hour. And that's that's like the least of my issues with that just awful movie anyway. But I mean, really, he bought her a tally, She wanted a necklace. She wanted jewelry. This is a plot point. What the hell is wrong with people? How do these things make money? Then again, Venom. Anyway, um, <laughs> although I did have a very strange moment walking here earlier, where I passed two buses very close next to each other. Yeah. One had the. Tell me, one had Venom, and the other one had the upgrade poster. No, one of them had <laughs> Venom. A big poster. The other one had the big poster for the PS4 Spider-Man game. Oh, God, you're like, I know which one I'd rather be in. Yeah, enjoying. I was sitting there thinking, A, I know which one I'd rather be, and B, oh, yeah. what a weird, you know... What a weird world we live yeah. in. Well, hang on, there's a name for this, isn't there? There's not a name for this Sony-intended Spideyverse, whatever it is. Like the, oh, God. Is it, like, is it something like the Sony's, Sony universe of Marvel Spider-Man characters? It, it's the SMCU. It's the Sony's SMCU. Marvel... Cinematic Universe. Isn't it the Spider-Man Marvel Cinematic Universe? No. Or is it the Sony's now? Okay. It's Sony's Marvel Cinematic Universe. They're oh. specifically not mentioning Spider-Man because they don't have the rights anymore. <laughs> so, they're deliberately oh. avoiding the fact that... It's so weird as well, because Tom Holland just seems like the nicest kid in the universe. Yeah. It just seems like if you offered to just buy him lunch, he would do a cameo. <laughs> if you asked him to, he would yeah. show up. If it was up to him, he totally would. But, he wouldn't care how shit the film was. But Kevin Foggy has a... Just a chain around the boy's neck, like, you're not doing anywhere near them. They have nothing to do with us. I mean, let's be honest, we all know that Tom Holland just lives in a crate in Kevin Feige's kitchen. Yeah. That's absolutely where Tom Holland is. And he's fed scraps of spoilers to get by. 
<laughs> he's fed spoilers and he's allowed out once a week to do some dancing yeah. and then he goes back in <laughs> yeah. puts on a little French maid outfit goes uh, and does something around and then comes back oh exactly totally but uh, oh man I tell you I just, I'm dreading it oh, it's going to be awful and like, you know the best part right you know this whole uh, trying to get people to stop trying to stop people from reviewing it thing which is why you cancel yeah, the National yeah, yeah. Press show and then only make it a multimedia the night before release because yeah. nothing about that seems odd yeah, nothing. By the way, we, we, you said this is this year's fantastic, uh, fan four stick, yeah. fantastic four. Funnily enough, the last time I remember a studio—well, not the last time, but one of the most prominent times I remember a distributor being so cagey was actually the Fantastic Four. Which, yeah. if you remember, they screened the day before release, uh-huh. embargoed it until that evening, and then made sure that everyone who had seen that film was in a press conference interviewing the cast while. That embargo dropped, and they didn't get out until eight PM. Yeah. So nobody was reviewing that movie. Yep. Which was probably for the best because my word, that movie's terrible. But it's the point where, the, like, the villain in Venom is not even Carnage. Isn't the villain just Riz Ahmed with a symbiote? Yeah, it's Riot. Like, if I go... What, what, what the hell is Riot? I haven't read a Venom comic, <laughs> exactly. like, ever. I've Riot, read Lethal Protector. Riot is a... Uh... It's just another symbiote. Like it's just at a certain point they just get bored and they just like there's fury, there's riot, there's anti venom, there's carnage. Like at a certain point, it's, it's like there's a thousand different versions of Hulk. Like it's just oh yeah, like Red Hulk, yeah. Professor Hulk. There's nothing uh, you can do with him, mm. so you just have to have him fight something similar. Hang on, but, isn't there literally a storyline from a comic book in which symbiotes reign on New York? Yes. Yeah. In which case, why not just no? That see, I don't movie. understand. If you want to go the anti-hero route, which they so desperately want to. Oh, not not only do they desperately want to, they're making no bones about. It. Please allow me to show you a press email that I received what about an hour ago. Okay. This is oh, this is literally less than an hour ago. Yeah. Here is Venom and the brand new clips. Yeah. Like, oh, great. We can to using those. And then the big tagline in big the bold has enough superheroes. The world has enough superheroes. Which is yeah, ironic. Stop trying to force more in there. Yeah, which is ironic because the world that that's taking place in has, has no superheroes. <laughs> there are literally no superheroes in this world. Yeah. I mean, technically speaking, the Spider-Man, but you sure as shit ain't going to say no. it. So, uh, no, oh. if you want to go the anti-hero route, why would you not go with Agent Venom? Which was a storyline they did in the comics whereby... Yes, wasn't he like an operative? Yeah, basically it was uh, a few years after high school, Flash Thompson had gone off to Afghanistan, been a soldier. That version, yes. He got his legs blown off, he came back, and he still wanted to serve, so he bonded with the symbiote and became a secret agent with, like, superhuman strength and stuff, and he was he was an anti-hero. If you're going to do that, if you want to do that version of the character... Then great, I mean... Then fantastic. And also, that's something different. But, yeah, but Eddie Brock is... Very much a Spider-Man villain. You know, every time I hear Eddie Brock and you say Eddie Brock to me, I just think, Topher Grace. Yeah. It's Topher Grace. We yeah. couldn't make this work with Topher Grace. Yeah. Now we've got Tom Hardy doing the mumbly Christopher Walken voice. Think that's going to work? I just like a turd. In the wind. I, that has become an ongoing joke in one of my group chats because that's not a thing people say. <laughs> It's not. It's, I have never heard that expression. It's delivered like it's a common <laughs> saying. Oh, it is, yeah. Like, that's a thing you say. I mean, do you remember when The Meg came out? I think I made a big song and dance when The Meg came out. How there is a moment in The Meg mm. in which 
with no setup whatsoever, Jason Statham simply starts referring to this thing as the Meg. And everybody in the room, Ruby Rose, Lee Bing Bing, etc., just go with it. <laughs> Nobody stops and goes, hang on, hang on a minute, wait, 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 what, 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 what are you calling it? The what now? <laughs> Call it the damn shark. The Meg. Why are you, what? <laughs> it's a Megalodon. It's a Megalodon. Oh, God, I got to see that again this weekend, by the way. It's and, wonderful. you know, it's so much fun. It, it is. really is. Also, really, just really love the moment in which Jason Statham stops, <laughs> turns to camera and says, pay attention to Ruby Rose, she's going to be someone. <laughs> Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Which is phenomenal. Shit, Ruby Rose is only in that movie to be the only other cool person that Jason Statham <laughs> infinitely... Like, it's he just, just like, Statham's cool, everyone else is yeah. a dork. Yeah. Can, we, can we have someone that, like, someone fancies or, like, wants to aspire to be... He just walks in like, fuck you, fuck you, fuck you, points to Ruby Rose, you're cool. Yeah, <laughs> fuck you, just... fuck you, fuck you. Oh, hey, Ruby, how's it going? <laughs> yeah, that's it. <laughs> Yo, Jason, I wear cardigans. I make them look bad. Yeah. Anyway... <laughs> So uh, let's talk film news. Let's get through the film news that we haven't done this week. Okay. Um, so I'm, I'm looking. Obviously, the beauty of it is I usually check uh, the movie mark feed for the news, mm. and the brilliance of doing this with you is I'm sat literally reading your news. <laughs> so you know, hilarity ensues. What is the one condition on which Jeff Bridges will give a remake of The Big Lebowski? That lesson? he's in it. Cool. That's it. He could do it and be the Sam Elliott character. Mm. Is it Sam Elliott? He's he's perfectly. I dig your style, dude. He was just asking. Um, he was asked because basically he's promoting bad times at El Royale. Oh, of course he. Do you know that's two and a half hours long? Is it really? It's two and a half. I mean, subject to change. It's pre-release yeah. timing, so they 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 always highball. But it seems to be two and a half hours long. Okay. I mean, I mean, it looks great. No, but... see, so he was he was asked on the press tour like if they because it's the twentieth anniversary of Big Lebowski. Really, I hadn't noticed. Yeah. It's not like I've been drinking white Russians and wearing a dressing gown for a week. So they're like, "Hey, if we re- if they remade it, would you you know would you be on board with that?" And he was like, "Yeah, I was in it. Yeah, if I'm in it, yeah, <laughs> that was it." Um, never ever touched the Big Lebowski. No. Oh, oh God! I got to tell you about the funniest because it's Big Lebowski related. The funniest mm-hmm. press invite I've ever had. Mm-hmm. I think it was something like a month ago. I didn't get to do it for time reasons. I was invited for the 20th anniversary of uh, Big Lebowski okay. to interview Tara Reid. <laughs> it's like, which is such a bizarre choice and yes I replied and then I, I couldn't do it in the end but I, I was just thinking like if if that's what it takes to put me in a room with Tara Reid the big Lebowski I'll take him he's tenuous mm. but I, I want to get in a room with Tara Reid and be like yo Van Wilder that, that's, that's the shit you know <laughs> I will go with two other little bits of news. Go on, where you go? Found interesting. Yep. Uh, J.K. Simmons has joined Seventeen Bridges. What is that? See, this is a very cool-sounding film where Chadwick Boseman is a disgraced NYPD detective. Is this the Russo brothers thing? Because he's doing one with the Russo brothers, isn't he? I don't know if it's the Russo brothers. Oh, okay, all right. But it's a basically there is a serial cop killer loose in New York City in present day. Yep. In. And they close all 17 bridges to trap him in New York and Chadwick Boseman's got to find him. Oh man, I'm, I'm in. That, yeah. that sounds badass. Yes, it I does. mean, it's clearly going to be filmed in Chicago, but yeah. <laughs> like, we all know that's, yeah. that's clearly getting filmed in Chicago. But that, that, I, J.K. Simmons joined that yesterday. Oh, right. I, I'm, I'm assuming. And Taylor Kitsch. Okay, you had me until Taylor Kitsch. Yeah, I know. You, you, you had me until then. I know. Like, don't, don't give me like shit gambit. <laughs> is that who I'm thinking of? Is that Turkish? Yes. That's Turkish, isn't it? Shit Gambit, yeah. yeah Shit Gambit, otherwise known as the only version of Gambit you're ever seeing in live action, people. <laughs> Until, you know, like five years down the line when Marvel's like, ah, Look, throw Channing Tatum a bone. 
But he's gonna be too old by then, isn't he? Like Chain Tatum's already pushing silly. forty, isn't he? Totally silly. But I'm mad. The dude's a dancer. He looks after himself. Yeah, he'll be fine. yeah he, he's good. He's good. He, he he knows his Disney. He knows how to preserve yeah. his youth. The other one mm. I will say is David Ayer. Oh, came out the other God. day. And, he came out. Uh, he came out the other day. So much now makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> but no, uh, he was asked on Twitter about the inspiration behind uh, Jared Leto's Joker's damaged tattoo on his forehead. Uh, daddy issues. Yeah, and uh, so the explanation he gave at the time was a very juvenile, rambling uh, explanation about how uh, Joker killed Robin, Batman knocked his teeth out, and... Now, here's the thing. You know, if they'd gone with that, Mm. I'd have been fine with it. Yeah. If they'd gone with the idea that Jared Leto's Joker actually is uh, Jason Todd? Was it meant to be? Or Tim Drake? Which one's he meant to be? He was rumoured to be Jason Todd. Right. So if the idea is he's Jason Todd... Yeah. Uh, cool. I'll go with that. It kind of works. Like yes. that, the way that DCAU version, DCAU, DCEU yeah. version is laid out. It doesn't matter. It, it, it would work, but you know what? Why are we bothering? Because there is no continuity to this anymore. It is clearly being abandoned. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm sorry. There's going to come a point in the next couple of years when some exec from Warner Brothers misspeaks. Yeah. And turns around in some Wall Street Journal interview and says, there is no continuity to, to, to any of this stuff. We stopped doing that years ago. Yeah. And no one will have noticed. And that'll be the point at which we're just like, cool. Yeah. No, basically David Ayer came out and was like, uh, yes, the damage tattoo was his idea. He has to fall on that sword. It was a step too far. He deserves to fall on that sword. Yeah, he does, yeah. I mean, I've sat through Suicide Squad, so I'd rather run a sword he, through most people involved in the production of that film. I think he deserves to fall on three swords. One for Jared Leto's <sighs> Joker, one for Suicide Squad, and one for Bright. Ugh, Bright. Yeah. Uh, no, actually, you know what? The no. laziest bit of world building I've ever seen. Okay, no, 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 no. You know what David Ayer's worst movie is? What? It ain't Bright. What? Because Bright didn't have potential to begin with. You knew Bright was going to suck. Yeah. Right. You know what's worse? What's worse is a movie that you think, that you know, has all the potential mm. to be phenomenal. And then, is a David Ayer movie and sucks. Yeah. So, imagine, if you will, this concept for a movie. Mm-hmm. A team of badass drug enforcement agents, mm-hmm. led by Arnold Schwarzenegger, start, you know, featuring amongst its ranks Sam Worthington, Joe Manganiello, and a bunch of hard asses, all with neck beards and crew cuts, in flat jackets. Punisher logos abound. And they rob a drug dealer, they're corrupt, and then they turn on one another. That is an awesome idea for a movie. That does sound good. David Ayer made that suck. Not only did David Ayer make that suck, I got offered a, a one-on-one with Schwarzenegger for that. Mm-hmm. That I showed up to, uh-huh. only to then be told, sorry, it's now a press conference, it's only Arnold Schwarzenegger, David Ayer will not be attending, but we have got a surprise for you, and then they dropped Keith Lemon on us. <laughs> this, this actually happened, this actually happened, and they filmed the fucking thing, like professionally, as if it was going to be used for one of Keith Lemon's nine shows, or whatever the hell is on ITV2 yeah. at the minute, because... Every time I turn on ITV2, it just seems to be this weird sub-bow selector nonsense yeah. as a panel show. I, I don't know what the deal is with that. I'm I'm not part of that world. Um, it just seems to be that. And, and this never happened. This never turned up on anything. So Keith Lemon has filmed an Arnold Schwarzenegger skit that has never been used. And here's where it gets funnier. Mm. Arnold Schwarzenegger does not have a goddamn clue 
who he who Keith Lemon is, <laughs> right? So every time Keith Lemon tries doing one of his bits yeah. in this this press conference. Arnold Schwarzenegger is visibly mystified by what the hell is going on. Like, Keith Lemon tries to do this whole thing where he tries to pretend that he's in the film and that that's why he's part of the press conference because he's been in the film and his scenes have been cut or something. The other thing is, he obviously hasn't cleared this with Arnie ahead of time. So Arnie sat there... Just looking like my dad permanently does whenever I'm speaking, which is, English is not my first language, and I don't know what this gibbering lunatic is talking about. Otherwise known as Sunday dinner at my dad's house. (laughs) It's bizarre. And this happened for an hour. It was insane. I mean, I, I literally, I went to the pub next door when it was done, because this was at the, this was at the, the, the Savoy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Apparently the only, only hotel in uh, London, Arnold Schwarzenegger will stay in. Really? Yeah, the Savoy. Which is weird, because there are nicer hotels. Yeah. I mean, it, it's badass, I mean, but he's, he's old school. Yeah. He's one of those, like, when I was, you know, coming up in the 70s, this was yeah. my dream. Yeah. When I could afford it, I would never do anything else afterwards. Yeah. You know, the same reason he votes Republican, because yeah, yeah. there ain't no way in hell Arnold Schwarzenegger is anything resembling the current model of a Republican. <laughs> Not even close. I mean, really. No, but, but uh, uh, Bright still features my... It's, it has one line in it, which is the most frustrating bit of world. Fairy Lives Matter? Heard. No. Worse than that. What's worse than Fairy Lives Matter? Take your Shrek-looking ass back home. If Shrek exists in yeah, that why universe... Does, why is there a Shrek? Yeah. Huh? Is, is oh. Shrek a, a racial caricature? Is that, is that a thing? Maybe Shrek's live action in their world. You mean think of that? No. Like, actually, see, that's the kind of detail that adds texture to something like that. If there's a DVD box yeah. shown at one point that's Shrek, and it is live action, it's something yeah. like Joel Edgerton's brother or something, is the, yeah, you know, right. Cousin, is the, you know, yeah. the dude playing Shrek, and, oh, and, and it's racist because they greened him up. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that'd be a work. Like, yeah. that fucking detail, that yeah. makes a movie, even, that is texture. Even if you have a human character in Greenface. Yes. That would work as well. Because Shrek. then, because then there's that whole racial issue. Yeah. Like, why didn't you get a, a Mr. Collector? It's, it's a Max Landis script. It was never going to be good. God, why does Max Landis suck? Oh, I like, remember when um, Chronicle came out? Yeah. When Chronicle came out, Josh Trank and Max Landis were going to change the world. Yeah. They did nothing. They didn't. Everything they have done has been garbage. Do you know what's so frustrating about Max Landis? He gets to talk to John Landis on a regular basis, and John Landis doesn't tell him to go away. Other than that. Okay. Is another than his stupid hair. Yeah, it is pretty daft, isn't it? Ridiculous. I mean, neither of us can talk. I mean, no, but still, you, you, you look like a sort of bizarre nineteen fifties sort of American hot rod driver, and I just look like a ponce. But uh, other than yeah, that, but no, uh, the, he's a really good comic book writer. I wouldn't know. It's very bizarre. Well, he's, he's actually written good comic books. He, I mean, he wrote Chronicle he well. He writes really good comic books. He wrote a, um, a Superman series called American Alien, which was yeah. little snapshots into Clark Kent's life as he grows up. And it's brilliant. It is way, way beyond. Like, I just hope he just 
drops films entirely and becomes a comic book writer. I mean, I don't get me wrong, I'm, I'm with you. I, I wish he would drop films. Yeah. I wish he would stop. What was that one he did where Jesse Eisenberg was Matt Damon? No, where Jesse Eisenberg was Jesse Oh, oh uh, American Ultra. That's the one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's Born for Stoners. Born Stoner for Stoners. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And, oh, and Kristen Stewart, because that's exactly how we caricature a romantic lead. Kristen Stewart. Oh, I mean, God, she's going to be one of the Charlie's Angels, isn't she? Do you know what's really funny? Yeah. Jamie East, you know, a friend of mine who's the one of the one of the hosts over at Talk Radio. Mm. He was doing the afternoon show, and he uh, he's been involved with the Big Brother thing for years. Like he does, uh, you know, those those side shows they yeah, do where they commentate on it or whatever. Yeah, I, I don't watch them, admittedly. I yeah. presume they just you know rub a neck the episode that they've yeah, just yeah. watched or something. The Talking Dead kind of thing. Yeah, that kind of thing. He does one of those for reality TV, and Big Brother got cancelled recently. Like they announced, Big Brother was ending. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it wasn't until I was talking about it I realised in the time that Big Brother has existed, we are now on our third set of Charlie's Angels. Oh God! In the time that Big Brother has existed in the universe, we have gone through McGee's iteration yeah. of the Charlie, which lasted two movies and a video game, I think. Yeah. Uh, we've gone through the CW version of the Charlie's Angels, <laughs> yeah. which, incidentally, why was that not bigger? Because it worked. Yeah. It worked. And now we've got Elizabeth Banks's version of the Charlie's Angels, which yeah. is Kristen Stewart. And please remind me. I remember it being awesome. Oh, I can't. I know one of them isn't Janelle Monet or Tessa Thompson, so I'm pissed about that. Yeah. Like, cause but Tessa that, Thompson is going to be one of the men in black, so fine with that. It's very true. I mean, I'm waiting for hashtag women in black to become an offensive term on Twitter. You know when the trailers come out? Yeah. And the idiots sort of yeah, crawl yeah. out the woodwork. You know those guys who thought, like, you know, a, a girl Ghostbusters was the worst thing ever, but they seem to have conveniently <laughs> forgotten about it now? Yeah. Yeah, funny that. For a female Ghostbusters, the feminists are taking over. <laughs> I'm an adult virgin. Yeah. <laughs> what the fuck is that? That's a vine. Is that a vine? I'm yeah. watching that. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, vines are still a thing? No, they're not. But that was a very famous one. Oh, okay. All right. Hang on. Isn't Boomerang the new vine? No. Oh, God, you're so old. I, um, you know, yeah, I am old. No. I live in a cottage with a small dog. <laughs> <laughs> You've seen my car. I am as white as it comes. You really are. Oh, I have found. I have found the perfect middle, the perfect balance of middle-aged cool and whiteness. <laughs> it is how I enforce my own self-imposed waspiness. I'm just a wandering millennial. Exactly. Yeah. Rather than the plaid shirt and dawn toss part over here. Anyway, <laughs> so um, back to the news. Let's, let's plow through some news. Let's, let's belt these out. Sure, sure. Um, so I'm going through yours because I've not read these. You've written them. So you're yeah. going to have to tell me. So Kate McKinnon joins Fox News sexual harassment drama. Yeah, this is brilliant. This is called Fair and Balanced. Is this the Roger Ailes biopic? Yes. Fuck, I was joking. Yeah, it is. Shit. Yeah. <laughs> Who's she playing? Uh, Kate McKinnon is not. She is playing a like an unnamed Fox News executive. Uh, oh. Char- I think it's Charlie's Theron is Megan Kelly, <laughs> which is brilliant. Right. Okay. First of all, Charlie's Theron is one of the best actresses in the world. She's is underrated. Charlie's she is an Oscar winner, and she deserves all the love she can possibly have. Even Charlize Theron is not a good enough actress to make Megan Kelly likeable or sympathetic or investable in any way. But yes, Kate McKinnon's an exec, huh? Yeah. I like it. 
By the way, uh, hats off to you for whenever you post... Your stories thrown. Oh, yeah. brilliant. Uh, whenever you post an article about Mel Gibson, by the way, mm-hmm. I love that you deliberately seek out the most insane images you can find. <laughs> every, time, yeah. every time, Every time. I mean, yeah. every image you post of Mel Gibson, I just he looks like he wants to break into my house and steal my cheese. <laughs> and, then, and then we'll break back in to ask, have you got any paper clips? <laughs> just mental. I so, deliberately find the exact picture where it looks like it's an alien who's been taught the mechanics of smiling but never quite mastered it. Mel Gibson is that sequence from Terminator 2 in which Mel Gibson learns to smile in which Arnold Schwarzenegger learns to smile he you know constantly he, looks like that he does but it's the fact that he has the insane sort of Horatio yeah. beard and the giant like bulging eyes yeah oh, I love Mel Gibson Mel Gibson no, no Joe Mel Gibson is one of my favourite ever movie stars Mel Gibson is the, for me, is the big swinging dick of movie stars. <laughs> like, George Clooney can fuck right off. Mel Gibson is the man. Like, Clooney, Clooney's cool. Clooney is a badass. He ain't no Mel Gibson. Well, he is, uh, Mel Gibson, that is, is writing and directing a remake of the Sam Peckinpah Western, uh, The Wild Bunch. Wow. I mean, how much blood, gore, and Christian allegory can he stick in that? So much. I mean, did you see, uh... What was it called? The Ridge? Hacksaw Ridge. Yeah. You see Hacksaw Ridge? Yeah. My mum's obsessed with that film. It's a great film. But, no, I mean, of all the films that came out of that Oscar crop, mm. my mum and my aunt, my late aunt, um, were obsessed with that film. And it's on Netflix, so I've watched it with, like, the father-in-law. Yeah. And I, I, I'm actually impressed, going back now, like, actually, this this is pretty fucking hardcore. Yeah. Like. I, I even vaguely like Andrew Garfield in it, yeah. which is odd because well, he seems to have terrible taste in projects. The remake of The Wild Bunch is something Warner Brothers has been trying to get made for a decade. Oh, yeah. They've this... been trying so, so long. But it also kind of pissed them off that Sony got there with Magnificent Seven a couple of years ago. Yeah. And, I mean, Jesus, that turned out badly. Do you remember, when, do you remember about 10, 15 years ago when we, we started getting the Magnificent Seven remake rumours? Yeah. Because I think from about 97 onwards, we've been remaking Magnificent Seven. It's just yeah. a statement of fact. And every movie star going was going to be in this movie. Yeah. And then you get there and we're like, here's Vincent D'Onofrio and Ethan Hawke. <laughs> and you're like... <laughs> Fuck me in the face with an aardvark. By the way, actual line from The Predator. Um, yeah. So, um, yeah, this the reason why Warner Brothers want to get it made is because Money. Been, yeah, they've been desperate for a Western for ages. And Mel Gibson's been trying to get his like World War II kamikaze thriller. <laughs> is he still doing that? He's trying to get That's it made. That's still a thing. It's called Destroy, and he's been trying to get it made. And it looks like it's been put on hold. And the deal is, if he makes this wild bunch for Warner Brothers, then he gets they'll fund yeah. kamikaze. Hang on a minute. Destroy. You know what? Just you want know to still on me? Mm. Do you remember about nine months ago? Mm. Mel Gibson was rumored to be uh, mulling over a certain. Or Wonder Brothers job offer. Yeah. Strikes me as the same bargain. Yeah. So yes, this would make sense as to why there was that weird Mel Gibson is directing Suicide Squad 2 rumour. Yeah. Because I absolutely believe that was something that was put on the table. Yeah. Yeah, totally. I think he's taken this instead. Oh yeah, totally. Uh, so can we talk about Train to Busan? Because I goddamn loves me some Train to Busan. Have you seen Train to Busan? I have not. So it's on Amazon Prime. Yeah. It is. I really want to. It is amazing. It's so badass. Everyone I know that's seen it Loves it. Yeah. 
John Hearn, for instance, uh, not really a fan of those kind of films, came to it and, and went, I loved it. I thought the, the, the father-daughter saw it. I thought it was really well done, amazing. I showed it I showed it to the missus and got a hold. That was badass. Uh. To which I'm like, I may have to marry if you. That's how you describe movies, but okay. Um, everybody has loved Train to Busan. It is a yeah. great movie. James Wan's producing the remake. Yeah, he's producing the remake. Now, uh, that's good. You get James Wan's directing it. Uh, uh, yeah. God damn that's it. That's the trouble. It's also a... Um, that was a real It's Always Sunny. God damn it. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, so it's not going to be good. But they are currently in production in South Korea making a second, like a sequel to Train to Busan. There's an animated prequel, I believe, yes. that is shown in certain screenings, I think. When they do like cold classic screenings of, yeah. of Train to Busan. If you've never seen Train to Busan, the, the premise literally could not be more simple. It is a dad transporting his daughter on the train to to her mother. They're divorced, I think. Um, and zombies take over. Yeah. The zombie outbreak happens as this dude is just like going to work and transporting his daughter. They're on a train. They have to make it from A to B. That's the movie. Yeah. It's goddamn brilliant. Yeah. And it's on Amazon Prime. You can watch this now for it's, nothing. It's also one of those things that because Busan is a, like, it's a common holiday destination for it's South Korea. It's the second most popular yeah. city, isn't it? It's their, it's their, like, seaside resort. Mm. So that journey is quite well known is it yeah i didn't know that so it's it's, a, it's it was sort of a point of reference to so throwing zombies into it's that so weird because obviously one of your old flatmates slash yeah. best friends lives in south korea yeah, I think. Does, yeah. yeah so you, you have this weird yeah thing, i have this so. weird she lives in busan does she actually live yeah, in busan she, she lives and teaches english shout out to scarlet baylor by the way hey scarlet we love you but uh, yeah i never knew that yeah huh i mean i'll be honest my, my knowledge of south korea begins and ends with they erected a skyscraper Wi-Fi router. <laughs> yeah. They literally did that. Yeah. To put it in context, I live in a city that looks like it could pass for 1978. Why don't I live in Seoul? Yeah, we are in Walthamstow today. Yeah, we're in Walthamstow today. I mean, which, which is a technological advancement from Yorkshire. Yeah. yeah it totally. still does look like wandering through the set of a Channel 4 documentary, but... It's- it does, doesn't it? It does, yeah. <laughs> so, okay, let's, play, let's see what we got. So, so James Wan's going to do the remake. Yep. Uh, Gary Doberman's writing, writing it, like, yep. for some fucking reason. Yeah, there's no director here. Uh, oh, oh, Happy Death Day 2 is actually called Happy Death Day to You. Which is genius, we've said that. Which is fucking great. Like, yep. yes! Like, I'm on there. Like, the 17 Bridges thing, by the way, I just think that's that's phenomenal. Yeah. We can talk so, about Dame Judi Dench. Oh, oh, Dame Judi Hang on, what's this? In Hot Water, after defending good friend Kevin Spacey. What movie were they in together? <gasps> they were in uh, The Shipping News. Oh, of course they were! Yeah. Christ, nobody saw The Shipping yeah. News. So That was 15 years ago. The trouble was, The Shipping News came out just after Dame Judi Dench's late husband passed away. Right. So, Kevin Spacey was there for her. Uh, after the death of her husband. So she she and he are very close. They go to award shows together but, but also, you think of his stature within theatre. Yes. Then obviously there's they the Judy Dench connection. Common. Yeah. So she was talking... Uh, she mentioned that he was there for her after the death of her yeah, husband. Yeah, her husband, yeah. And someone asked her about her opinion of... <laughs> Should he be allowed to work again? Yeah, but they, they basically asked, what, so, okay, so what's your opinion of him now, given the... Can I just, can I just throw this out there, right? Here's the weird thing, right? Putting aside the obvious idea, the, the obvious reality, mm. that 
Yes, once you've done the things he's accused of, you should not be working again. Fine. Yeah. Yes, that is absolutely the case. Louis C.K. should not be allowed on a comedy stage. No, Harvey Weinstein should be shot in the face. Yes. We, we, we know these things. Okay, those are facts. Fine. However, I want to just stress, with Kevin Spacey, I take this a little bit weirdly. Mm. Because Kevin Spacey's entire career is founded upon the idea that the one thing he does better than absolutely anybody in the universe is he will play a despicable cunt like nobody on Earth. In which case, if he does it better than anyone on Earth, what does it matter that he's actually a despicable cunt? Like, don't let him be Lex Luthor. Fine. But if you've got a movie that, you know, you need a really loathsome pedophile in or something like that... (laughs) Kevin Spacey, because we already know he can academically do it. So we the, also know that he has somewhat of a relatability problem with that. Yeah, there is the, there is a trouble with what Dame Judi Dench said, where she made it very much about what happened with Christopher Plummer and all the money in the world, mm. where she was saying about how I can't approve in any way of the fact that whatever he's done, that you start to come out of films. Right. Okay. Yes. I personally, I agree with that. Now, not with not so much with Kevin Spacey. The all the money in the world thing was a fluke. Yeah. Like, you couldn't have known that was going to happen. However, Louis C.K. When it comes to Louis C.K., I start to get a bit personal on this. Because, I think it's because, obviously, I have fandom in, in the wrestling sort of thing. Yeah. And I'm, I'm used to the... And, obviously, scandals happen in wrestling a lot. Like, Hulk Hogan exists. Yeah. You know, so we're always guaranteed a scandal, like, once every six months. Yeah. It's the beauty of being a wrestling fan. Anyway, until John Cena finally kills a man. But, you know, which I'm pretty sure will happen in a Burger King one day for some reason. Someone will turn around to him and go, it's John Cena! He'll just deck him. Someone will be like, yo, Fat Mark Wahlberg, what up? (laughs) And he'll be just, like, snapping necks and shit. Anyway. (laughs) That's how I imagine the downfall of John Cena every day. It gives me great sexual satisfaction. I'm a disturbed person. Anyway, when you when you have fandom in the wrestling world, you're used to scandals, and yeah. the wrestling world has this sort of philosophy. That's, there's some like leaf blower in the background, by yeah, the way. I'm not editing it. It's podcast extras. Fuck it. Um, this is the weird thing. When scandals happen, like Hulk Hogan famously did, what was about yeah. two years ago with the radio yeah, thing yeah. when he when he used the N word on radio. Yeah, 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 that was the one. So the idea that the wrestling community has always fallen back on is. Fuck it, we'll just take him out. Take him out of the historical record, right? And what they do is they simply amend the historical record to not include Hulk Hogan. That has now been walked back very recently, and in a moment of equal controversy, oh. in which the WWE have turned around and said, "Right, Terry Bollea is coming back to the Hall of Fame. We are reinducting him." Blah blah. And I mean, the first question everyone had after the obvious one, which is, "Who the fuck is Terry Bollea?" Yeah. Um, the answer, by the way, is Hulk Hogan. Um, okay. The first question everyone has is, okay, why? Because, yeah. like, if you're going to, like, alter history, you can't then alter this back. This, motherfucker, this ain't Back to the Future 2. Like, you, you can't pull that shit. You ain't Ashton Kutcher. Like, do it or don't. Don't start screwing with the timeline. It's one of those things where, by, like, yes, all the money in the world was a fluke because all of his scenes were isolated. Yes. That was the thing. He was basically in a fucking bubble. Yeah. With pretty much Michelle Williams and Mark Wahlberg, and that was it. Yeah. It was, it was him in a nice it, living room, basically. His scenes were isolated, and also it was... This happened before the movie's release. Mm. So the movie could be reshot and re-edited, and that was not too much of an issue. I'm just putting it out there, by the way. If Ridley Scott can completely alter a movie in three weeks, mm. why is Prometheus a piece of shit? 
Because you can make... Because a, you can't make a good Alien prequel because it doesn't need one. You can make a bad movie out of a good script, but you can't make a good movie out of a bad script. I've never wanted you more than I do right now. <laughs> <laughs> so, basically, uh, Judy Dench is... She goes into the slippery slope argument where she's like, are we just going to start cutting people out? And you obviously, no. The answer is no, we're not going to start doing Well, that. no, no, you say that, though, but this is, this is my Louis C.K. point. That happened. So you, you look at someone like Louis C.K., who was a creator, as well as a performer, he was very yes. much a creator. And FX, for instance, mm. took his shows off their streaming platform. Yeah. They cancelled anything else he was doing. They, and then, and this is the part where I went, no, no, you've crossed the line now. Mm. They took his name off of shows that he produced. Uh. To which you then say, no, because those shows only exist because his name was on them. Like, no one was giving Pamela Adlon a TV show. It wasn't happening. <laughs> Even if you have to do what... Uh, so, this has been a bit... This has been a point of controversy for a while with, mm. with Disney. And with... What's the James Gunn debate, isn't it? No, it's, it's not just it that. It feeds it's into the, that. So, when Warner Brothers releases Looney Tunes box sets, mm-hmm. they have to... Bear with me. They have to, for some of the old ones have a disclaimer at the start which says this old attitudes may yes, be present this is obviously not how people think this is the, the times have changed but these are preserved for historical accuracy well yeah i mean it's the same reason that disney should put song of the south on dvd but never have this is the thing whereas you disney know. just completely cuts it removes it they want to keep the brand integrity so i think Keep their names on the production credits. Obviously, do that, but mm. just throw production it credits. I'm sorry, should be those. Those should be untouchable. Everything should. That like, is someone's work. If you yeah. don't, if if you now, I'm not saying obviously that there is a position, a positive position you can take on Louis C.K. Yeah. There obviously is not. No, not. The man, the man is clearly a deviant. Yeah. And well, he's a criminal. But um, here's the thing. That that that's work. Like, you know, that dude know. put a fucking year of his life I'm into not, that not, panel, I'm, that doesn't show, you know. I'm not expecting anyone to start CGing Kit Harrington's face onto Kevin Spacey and Baby Driver. Like, that's not going to happen. I'm sure Kevin Spacey would fucking love it if you CGI'd, you know, Kit Harrington's face on there. Yeah, I'm sure he, he looks quite teenage. Anyway. But I just think... Just... Even for things like we just throw up a disclaimer. Mm. Like, it doesn't hurt, and it just completely... Look, when it comes to disclaimers, I think we've established in the last six months that Disney are not particularly good at handling challenges to brand management. No, they're not. Because otherwise, we wouldn't appease Nazis. No, exactly. Hashtag rehire James Gunn. Hashtag rehire James Gunn, indeed. Did you did you meet James Gunn? I did not meet did James Gunn. However, my uh, coin book guy from... Did I not take you? The Guardians. You did not. My coin book guy for a very, very long time was James Gunn's coin book guy on the set of Guardians of the Galaxy. Hang on, is that... That's not Mark, is it? It is Mark. Is that Mark Watson? Yeah. Shout out to Mark Watson. Anyway, um, yeah, because obviously he, he was based in the UK yeah, to do so that, he and Chesham will have been pretty close. Yeah, is he so still working in Chesham? He though? is not. He, we can't plug him then, okay. Uh, but he was he was providing uh, client books to James Gunn on set. Nice. So, yeah. So, oh. all of his uh, research was provided by... Do you know uh, the whole James Gunn thing really pisses me? Do you know what I didn't notice until yesterday? Well, Very bizarre little thing. Um... James Gunn, who I think is an amazing person. Yeah, I think he's wonderful. a genuinely nice person. Yeah. I've met him a couple of times. He, he, he's, he's sweet, actually. Yeah. The weirdest term to describe the man would be sweet. Yeah. You know, like, trust me, the, the whole controversy bullshit thing is bullshit. Yeah. Because that ain't the person. That, that's, that's a person that, who tweets horrible shit in the same way I do. 
you know, and the shit I tweeted in 2008, 2009, which you can't find, by the way, because this motherfucker deleted it. Um, <laughs> automated deletion program. Nice, yeah. Turns out that's a thing. That is what Ryan Johnson did. Yes, he did. Yeah. 93 days, if you're yeah. wondering. It, it, the system only works for 93 days. Okay. So all your tweets can only exist for three months and three days. That's good. I don't know why it's that specific thing, yeah, but... It, it, he deleted 19,000 tweets, Ryan Johnson. Good. Yeah. He was because like, I need my job. <laughs> I'm, I'm, well, I'm sorry, but you said, I'm, I'm sorry, we all yeah. should. We all should. He works for Disney. We all should, because if that, that's the future. Yeah. If that's happening now, what the like, fuck happens in 10 honestly, years? Honestly, 10 years ago, I was a horrible little shit. You, you're not great now. I'm not great now, but I was a nasty... I mean, you're like three days out of, out of the week, you're a rebellion at least. I know, I know. But like, but, I had a very similar sense of shock humor. Yeah, exactly. Because James Gunn, this is that the was the thing. I had this, time. I had this out with, uh, with a friend of mine, Leighton Buzzard on, f- I, 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 I went full blown. It was a Facebook thread. And it was, and his thing was, oh, he's talking about raping babies. I'm like, dude, I knew you in 2007. Yeah. You made these fucking jokes because yeah. that's where comedy was yeah. in 2007. Yeah. In 2007, we pushed the line of good taste as far as we possibly Even could. Even Family Guy was making those kinds of jokes. Exactly. It was mainstream. Oh, that, that's it. it well, that so, was the thing because people like Seth MacFarlane yeah. made fucking millions out of it. Yeah. And you just don't think like, what? what so hang the on. No. The that we're now a moral police about that sense, that kind of sense of humor. Like it's not. What's that Family Guy episode? And it's from, and I remember this. It's from two thousand nine, mm. and it's where Peter Griffin takes a, a brain damaged horse into a racetrack, and it runs. And we we don't see it. We only see Peter Griffin. We only see the Griffin family. And we, this horse runs rampant through the stands and kills multiple people. There is a scream, and we hear the words, my baby is dead. Yeah. And you should think, well, hang on a minute, how's how's that? I mean, that episode's fucking brilliant anyway. It's yeah. called Family Gay, and it might be the best episode Family Guy's ever put out. If you're wondering, <laughs> by the way, it's Ricky Spanish or American Dad. Like, fuck anybody else with an alternative answer to that. Okay. It's Ricky Spanish, nothing else, <laughs> Werner Herzog in it. Werner Herzog's in it, suck a dick. Anyway, <laughs> but... Does that have to be something like, well, hang on a minute. He, he did a, quite a graphic dead baby joke. Yeah. This is not that far removed, timeline-wise, from James Gunn. No. Why is that okay? And that's before you get to the bit where, okay, if we want to really wax lyrical about it, technically speaking, the man was making jokes about, that man was making jokes about Harvey Weinstein being a rapist for yeah. several years before it was actually acknowledged Harvey Weinstein was a rapist. So, maybe we might want to try the little stuff with this. I don't yeah, know. I don't know. I just feel deeply uncomfortable with the whole James Gunn thing because it was very clearly a targeted cyber attack. No, no, it, it is. It absolutely is. And fucking Batista is right yeah, on. Yeah, absolutely. Like, Batista is a certified bro. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. an all-timer right Like, there. he's just... He does not care what Disney I'm, I'm, I'm going to tell you something for nothing. Mm. Like, uh... Final score sucks ass. Yeah. But... Like, Batista, post the James Gunn thing, like, uh, Batista's been just such a goddamn legend that I'll watch anything he's in now, yeah, including Final Score, which sucks ass. Like, it is so bad. It is it is uh, Sudden Death yes. remade. You see that clip of him on the Jonathan Ross show? Yes, I did, Absolutely. yeah. Like, what a goddamn legend. Yeah, man. I was like, I'm just not a usual Hollywood guy. I come I from it. poverty. I am not yeah. afraid to go back to poverty. You're like, yeah, exactly. fucking right, man. Yeah. 
Like, dude, that guy. Yeah. I, I mean, I met him. Funnily enough, I met Batista mm-hmm. um, for the very first time, the first time I met James Gunn, because mm-hmm. it was it was Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah. And uh, I, funny thing about that, nobody gave a fuck about Chris Pratt. <laughs> Nobody oh, did. Wow. The only people anyone in that room wanted to talk to was James Gunn and Dave Batista. I'm not surprised. And they were great. I mean, don't get me wrong. Chris Pratt is very charming. He's a very charming, very, very sexually attractive man. I mean, yeah. he's, he's a good-looking man. Boy, we get it. It's fine. Yeah, yeah that, that, that boy get daily, nightly, and ever so rather. He's a very polished-looking motherfucker. Yeah. Um, but you know, he ain't no James Gunn or Batista. No. Those men, they got texture. Batista, I kind of love that he's this softly spoken, quite intelligent man who can just break you like Bane. Can we just put it out there, though? How just immensely bizarre is it that out of the entire MCU, the MCU, which contains such high caliber movie stars, they could bankrupt a studio with a tweet if they wanted. You know, Robert Downey Jr. could shut the fucking James Gunn thing down in a second. Yeah. If he wanted. He Obviously, he has no investment. That's fine. He doesn't know... He didn't necessarily have to know James Gunn. He didn't work with him. Fine. But, you know, it's that level of power. If Chris Evans or Chris Hemsworth turns around tomorrow and says, yeah, I'm out unless you get Gunn back. Yeah. You know, ignoring the obvious fact that Gunn is clearly back in some small level capacity that we don't know about yet. But uh, he's clearly the producer of the next, like, ten years. But... That was the thing. No one thought out of all this crop of movie stars, the fucking WWE guy was going to turn out to be the most relatable, likable, and human person in the entire circus. Like, they've got Redford in their alumni. They've got fucking Tommy Lee Jones in their alumni. Glenn Close. John C. Riley. Stanley Tucci. Yeah, we forget. Fucking Toby Jones yeah. has not only been in their movies, he's been in multiple ones and turned up on telly. Yeah. Good Lord. Dave Batista turned out to be the human one. Like, what a That's world so we live in, man. We can't make an Inspector Gadget movie work, but Dave Batista's a bro. <laughs> what a goddamn age we live in. But uh, anyway, so let's uh, go back to the news because we, we wander a lot, you and I. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, House of the Clock and its. Oh, so House of the Clock and Wall made money. Fahrenheit 11 9 didn't? Did not at all. Wow. It uh, made a few million, but not very much to us. Pretty much the nail in the coffin. Does it have anything to do with the fact that Michael Moore is quite patently uh, very 2004? Yeah, he's, he's had his day. Like, yes. Have you heard the controversy about him? No. Oh right, okay. this is this gets funny. Okay, okay. Th- this comes from you know you know obviously I uh, my my sort of side hustle is I work in podcasts yeah, and shit. Yeah. yeah. Um. So I, I I get plugged into certain things in the podcast world, like certain hosts, etc. And obviously that's what your Twitter Twitter timeline starts to yeah. look like. Um. Weird thing with that. Turns out uh, Michael Moore does not pay his staff. Okay. As in he. No, he, he signs them, he's all above board, he takes them out, they film a documentary, and they don't get fucking paid. Right. Three guesses who broke this one. Uh. Leonard Moulton. Leonard and Jesse Moulton. Now, first of all, I quite like the pair of them. They're a podcast, Moulton on Movies, by the way. Terrific. Absolutely mm-hmm. check it out. They just interview a dude every week. Okay. I, I, I keep reading, I, keep, I just realised why you're checking your email so frantically. You have a set visit this afternoon we've not had confirmed. Yeah. yeah. Oh, is that him? It's like here. Are we on? Yeah, no, it's not said anything. No, okay, fuck it then. Um, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I love you, kid. Anyway, um, 
But yeah, like uh, Jesse Moulton and Lemon Moulton put out this whole thing about uh, uh, apparently some production company, he's not paid them. Right. He owes them 150 grand. And you're like, R- really, Michael? Like, is Burger King that demanding? You, 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 you spell it there? What the fuck is going on? But uh, yeah, so Fahrenheit 11.9, that's coming soon. It's about two weeks away, I think. Yeah. Yeah. I had to explain to someone the other day what the goddamn difference between Fahrenheit 9-11 and Fahrenheit 11-9 was. And I would be somewhat more concerned if I weren't sleeping with this person. The difference no. is one of them's relevant. Mm. <laughs> yeah, well, the difference is the person making it was relevant the first time uh, around. And now they've just been superseded by the entirety of late night television. <laughs> It's true, isn't it? Well, that's the thing. When Fahrenheit 9-11 came out, like, Jay Leno was hardly on the ball with this shit. Yeah. But uh, I've just realised, I've gone to movie reviews and not movie news. Hang on, hang on, hang on. Because I, I want to give you I want to give you your uh, your, your due. I want to pay your uh, your work some credit. And for some reason, the website isn't... Oh, there we are. Okay, so we did 17 Bridges. Happy Death Day is Happy Death Day to you. Yep. Letter U, by the way. I love that. Is it hashtag Happy Death Day to you? No, but I'm sure it will be. Oh, okay. All right. Do you remember what the hashtag for Magnificent Seven was, by the way? No. Right. Bear in mind the legacy of oh. Magnificent Seven. Right? It is a Hollywood yeah. institution. What do you make hashtag for Magnificent Seven if you're the publicists? Hashtag Mag7. M-A-G-7. They went with that. With a straight face. But hang on a minute, what the fuck is it? Walking Dead movie in the works? Oh, yeah, so basically... Wait, uh, hang on. Do people still watch The Walking Dead? So, this is yeah. a thing. Yeah. People it was just, ten years ago, wasn't it? Uh, they've got plans for another ten years of content. They, they want a movie, they want more spin-off shows. They just want to keep their shit going. Fine. Who owns AMC? Is that... Hang on, AMC would have to be... I think it's universal. Yeah, it's it? universal. Uh, Bob Iger, I take the blame for too many Star Wars films too soon. No, Bob, you take the blame for firing James Gunn, you prick. Yeah. Uh, Pharrell Williams is going to narrate Bandit Cumberbatch as The Grinch. Cool. Yeah, that's fine. Cool. I mean... Chance the Rapper is doing the... Uh, score. Score. Yeah. Score, yeah. yeah. Um, my thing with that is, like, Pharrell Williams, cool, yeah. but uh, I miss the good old days when you should just get fucking exhibit and ludicrous to do this stuff. <laughs> we did. We did once upon a time. That happened. You know, that was a thing way back when. Uh, James Gray to serve as president of the 2018 Marrakesh Internet. You had a slow news day, didn't you? I did, yeah. You fucking did. Yeah. Uh, Ken Jong joins us to what the hell? Occupation Rainfall. So Occupation was a little Australian sci-fi movie. <laughs> okay. Where a band of resistance fighters in a town had to fend off against an alien invasion just outside of Sydney. Uh, Occupation Rainfall is Hang the... On. Is that is that available? Is that on Netflix or yes. something? Because I'll watch the shit out of yeah. that. Uh, Have you ever seen Tomorrow When the War Began? Tomor- Actually, Tamara Morrison is in Occupation. Oh, okay. So... Is he that- in Tomorrow When the War Began? Because I can't remember. I don't remember. Okay. But, uh, We're just going with the fact that it sounds vaguely like Tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Uh, Occupation Rainfall is the world-building sequel... <laughs> <laughs> In which... Of course it fucking is! Because 2018, ladies yeah. and gentlemen. In which, yeah. in which Ken Jeong is showing up as someone. Okay. <laughs> Jack Black calls Trump a piece of shit as he accepts his walk of fame start. Of course he does, because, spoiler alert, Donald Trump is a piece of human shit. Not even human shit. No. He's like, he's not even dog shit. He's camel feces. 
No, 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 no. You need to be really pathetic with Trump. No. You need to you need to remember this man's psychology oh. is broken to its core. Like that is a fucking child. <laughs> that is that's cockroach shit. Donald Trump is cockroach shit. Anyway, okay, yeah, let's go. Uh Sir Patrick Stewart joins Charlie's Angels reboot in He's Bosley, isn't he? Yeah, he is. <laughs> Good morning, Angels. Um, I'm just going to remind everyone that Fan Bingbing has a brother named Fan Cheng Cheng, and that's the greatest pairing of names <laughs> I've ever heard. Uh, by the way, I love Fan, Ch- uh, Fan Bingbing. Um, very big fan of her. She's, I've seen her in a few films. Like, outside the X-Men, I've seen her in a few films, like Chinese yeah. dramas and things. And goddamn, she she got charisma. Yeah, she like, she really, I, I'm not surprised she's a star. Like, yeah, in China. she is missing. <laughs> missing, yeah. Um might be an idea to find her at some point. Well, here's the, here's the thing. What happened uh, is... So, in China, there's a very common practice called yin-yang contracts. Yin-yang contracts. Yes. That's the most Chinese thing I've ever heard. Yes. So, the idea is you will have one contract which says you get paid $1.5 million for this movie. Yeah. And that's reported for tax purposes. Okay. And then you have your contract which says you get $7 million. What the fuck? So, and that is the one you actually get paid. What, what, what? So this is a way of getting around China's very... Is this the rumoured in prison thing? Yes. Like so she's essentially, in prison. essentially the idea is that she was doing this so much, these yin-yang contracts, hmm. that she took the piss with her tax exemption so much <laughs> that the Chinese government just went, no. They picked her up when she was in Tibet visiting a children's uh, orphanage. Uh, she has been missing ever since. This is the, she, It's alleged that she has been in, uh, imprisoned without trial. It's China. Yeah. Have you ever seen Red Corner? Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, and the, that's it. Broke down palace. The idea is that it's a total power play. It's a move that, like, will will allow a little bit of this. But if you go too far, no one is too big. Not even if you're the biggest star in China. You know, every time I think of Fan Bingbing, I always think of the fact that she's Blink in Days of Future Past. Yeah. And I sit there like, how fucking short-sighted is it that nobody at Fox ever thought, even vaguely... Chuck 20 million at the Chinese, tell them they got Fan Bing Bing, give us a Chinese X-Men spin-off. Yeah. They'll fund the rest. They will. We know they will fund it. Yeah, of course It will be in IMAX 3D. It'll be the biggest goddamn thing in the world It's insane ever. that they didn't. And, it's not, okay, I'm not saying that would be a good movie. I have no interest in seeing that movie. Like, a fucking Blink movie sounds terrible. I've seen The Gifted. Like, Jamie Chung can barely make that character work. <laughs> and Jamie Chung is one of the sexiest human beings alive. Yeah. Cannot make a Marvel character work. Um, but really, like, well, that's not a thing. Other than that, the only other big news is that the X-Men are definitely going to be part of the MCU. <laughs> that's it. Like... Well, first of all, yes, we knew that. Yeah. Second of all, and I meant to bring this up when we were talking earlier about, like, Fan mm. Forstick, Um Did you see this bullshit concept half thing that the Fantastic Four were going to be in Deadpool 2? Hmm. <laughs> In their actual, in, in new versions of the classic costumes. Really? Like, they were, if I just say Power Rangers the movie, do you have a vague visual idea of what I'm talking about? Yeah. It got weirder. I think, I think Johnny Storm wears a red suit. That's weird. Do you want to know the weirdest thing is that we are actually getting a sequel to that Power Rangers movie? Yeah, because, no, I got nothing. Yeah, because, uh, so the... <laughs> no, because Aladdin's happening and Naomi Scott might actually be a name soon. Yeah. yeah. And Once all the people who were in their tweens in the 90s yeah. have seen Aladdin and finished jerking off, Naomi Scott will be a name 
purely for that, because she's gorgeous and she's playing Princess Jasmine. Yeah. Purely because of that, no one gives a fuck about the movie outside of Will Smith being the genie, let's no. be honest. Yep. And Guy Ritchie directing it. Nobody knows who Naomi Scott is, but dudes love Jasmine. Yeah. She fine. Naomi Scott fine. This happening. Um, that's what's going to happen. Like uh, That's why yep. they'll do a Power Rangers too. Well, see, the, the reason, Pink Ranger will be a pinup. The reason they're doing it is because Hasbro recently bought the license to Power Rangers and they own everything now. They, they absorbed Saban and they want a Power Rangers franchise on the big screen. Yeah. Well, of course they do. Yeah, yeah of course they do. You know, you've paid for it, you're going to get it. So... You and I had this discussion years ago, which was, if you go back to the mythology of Power Rangers, yeah. there's a fucking five-movie structure Oh, in absolutely, there. yeah. Because didn't they announce, like, last, in the 2016 one, they asked they were doing, like, seven films. They wanted to, yeah. They planned seven films. They planned like, seven films. Well, logically, there is... You can make that work. Yeah, because I looked you at do, it, I was like, okay, so yeah. you do Power Rangers, then you do... You do Power Rangers, you do Evil Green Ranger, yeah, green with Good evil. Green Ranger, Loses His Powers, White Ranger, and then two movies. Well, no, here's what you do. You do Power Rangers, you do Green with Evil, then you do a full team, then you do White Light. Oh, there we are. And then you do uh, Zeo Turbo in space, you're done. Because that's all the Zordon saga, and then you're done. That's it. You've you walk away. been inside a woman. I know, it's insane. Oh, I love you, man. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that's totally... I, I genuinely like, think, like, Power Rangers 2... They were clearly setting that up, because the source of the power is the Zeo crystal in the... Yes, I remember that, thinking... Yeah. Like, in fact, no, I didn't see that with you. I saw that with... I was Kermode's plus one. Mm. To Power Rangers. Because mm. I had to sit on the goddamn Northern Line for like 10 minutes afterwards <laughs> and explain the yeah. mythology of the Power Rangers. See, I was... Then I, I texted you straight after, like, so I saw Power Rangers, spent 10 minutes explaining it, here's, yeah. here's the plot of Power Rangers. Yeah. Yeah. I was sat in a regular theatre for that, and there was a guy... Yeah, I remember. <laughs> there was a guy in front of me who I nicknamed Admiral Autism, uh, because... As the credits started rolling, and some people started getting up to leave, because obviously there's a post-credits scene. And he, oh, oh God, yes, there it, is, and it's just the shittiest yeah. post-credits. He scene. stood. He this st- person exists. Tommy Oliver. Tommy Oliver. Tommy Oliver. Got Tommy Oliver here. <laughs> have, we, have we got big stunt cameo for the sequel? Bueller. No, we'll just name his. We'll just name his character. Bueller. Yeah, it was that, wasn't it? Bueller. So anyway, yeah, this guy stands up and he turns over. And, Sit down. <coughs> there's more. <laughs> I was like, okay. Yeah. Controversial opinion for you. Right. Power Rangers would have been better if it was done in the style of Spider-Man Homecoming. Absolutely. Yeah. That's not controversial. Totally fucking worth them. That would have been way better. That would have been just immensely better. Like, and I'm one of those people who do actually genuinely on our own. And we, 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 you and I spent about two years. Yeah. About two years trading text back while they were fucking Power Rangers movies coming. Oh, it's going to be awesome seeing this picture. Power Rangers movie coming. I actually, I actually quite enjoyed it. It is, Breakfast Club with yeah. it's breakfast it's Breakfast Club with an episode of Power Rangers now, to be fair right I, I had to play designated driver one night to mm. Emma um, I picked her up and I brought her home and while she'd been out I'd been watching Power Rangers it was relatively new at yeah. the time I'd just gotten on home release and I watched Power Rangers and she walked in about 20 minutes before the end yeah so close enough to the end that they were still just really gloomy teenagers yeah, yeah. but then they got the suits and the all. Yeah. So, she watched the Pacific Rim bit. Yeah. You know, and her response was, okay, so 
This whole Pacific Rim nonsense, this is bullshit. Like, I have no interest in this. Why the fuck has this been made? Um, also, why can't I see any of it? It's daytime, yeah. but everything's dark, <laughs> and seems to take place outside of the populated area. Okay, but actually, kind of liking the characters. That's the weird thing. The characters really work. And I'm sort of thinking, chemistry. the goddamn English teacher now likes Power Rangers. Yeah. Like, are we, are, we, are we fucking serious about this? Yeah. I, I can't get her to watch Pacific Rim Uprising. <sighs> Which is probably for the best because yeah. it's a fucking terrible movie. It's not good. What's what's the? Is it? I want to know what love is by Foreigner. Is that the song that Charlie Day plays as he's molesting his yes, kaiju is, brain? Yeah. yeah. No, is it? Is it? Is it? No, it's not. No, it's not that one, is it? Why is the goddamn song? Because he's like brain fondling, isn't he? Yeah, I can't remember. Yeah. Anyway. uh... See, Pacific Rim Uprising is a very, very stupid movie. It's a stupid movie that never needed to exist. Only no. exists because of the... Was it about 230 China million made. that it made in China? Yeah. Um, which is understandable because the first movie is goddamn tremendous yeah, and is. deserved a franchise. Yeah. However, it deserved a franchise by Guillermo del Toro, yeah, not, which is the problem. because Stephen S. Knight, who yeah. clearly just really loves Gundam. Really does because he didn't want to make a Pacific Rim film. He wanted to make a Gundam film, and now they're making a Gundam. Film. Oh my god, that's what I was going to tell you. When the uh, when the press show was on the yeah. final score, yeah, the Batista oh. action film at West Ham. I don't know if you know this. That film is produced and made by Saban. Really, it really fucking is. Wow. <laughs> and I shit you not, because I'm guessing you'd have had the same reaction. Oh. I'm sat on the screen. Lights go down. Screen comes alive. Saban films. I pissed myself laughing. <laughs> Room full of critics. I fucking pissed myself laughing. Oh my god! Nobody knew why. Like I just had a room full of people because I always sit like that back corner, yeah, Mister yeah. in so screens, Mister Young, and just a room full of people just turned looking at me like, "What is this fucking psychopath <laughs> laughing at?" And I'm just thinking, "What's up, goddamn Power Rangers, man? <laughs> <laughs> this is like the WWE producing the fucking Ali Berry movie." <laughs> if Batista morphed halfway through, you'd be like, "Yeah, sure. <laughs> whatever." The movie is about that ridiculous, but uh, yeah, so. Um, I mean, see, final score, it's fucking terrible. But uh, I've had a few drinks. I've, I've cursed way too much in this episode. Yeah, um, fuck. <laughs> I tell you, noob noob. <laughs> yeah, 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 the only one that gets me, noob noob. This guy gets it. <laughs> this guy gets it. God damn. What <laughs> <laughs> fucking song that plays? <laughs> During one of those like, episodes, around that point, there's a weird song that plays. Mm. Like, Towels based titles of the mm-hmm. Oh Terry Terry Folds. Terry Folds, that's it. Fucking hell. I want to grab a Terry Folds. That is so weird. Like that is, that is the most bizarre. Like, I, I don't want to look into it. I'm creeped out by it. I'm creeped <laughs> out by Terry Folds. I don't care. I'm not looking into it. It just it just exists. Yeah, I don't awesome. want to. There is a level of Rick and Morty at which I just go, okay. Um I'm, I'm twisted enough. Like I'm twisted enough. I'm literally I'm living hashtag darkest year right now because mm. I put that up on fucking Facebook on January first. Um and, and I reiterate on birthday, I'm classy like that. Mm-hmm. A friend of mine seems to have taken it the wrong way. But uh yeah, seriously, a friend of us, Sav, has just yeah. just gone off the reservation. He's just decided he's just going to fuck with people. Okay. And he's, he's doing it under my mantra of, hashtag darkest year, bro. And I'm like, no, that's not what that means. <laughs> it's not meant to be a self-fulfilling prophecy, dude. No. 
<laughs> but uh, yeah, anyway, uh, we might have to edit this. I don't know. It's not really yeah, relevant. Fine. But uh, Rick and Morty's awesome, so that's relevant. Yeah, Check that out. Uh, there was also a new uh, Netflix animation called Paradise PD. What the fuck is that? I, I saw an advert. Actually, it's on Netflix now, well, isn't it? I recommend checking that out if you like Rick and Morty. Ah, it's actually quite fun. Well, as it happens, I very much like Rick and yeah. Morty. I like Rick and Morty very much in the I'll pour myself a glass of wine, drop my trousers, sit on the couch, get comfy, and enjoy this shit. Uh, Level. Scrubs and Rick and Morty's Sarah Chalk is in it. And she, Noah Elliott? Yeah. And she uh, voices a uh, police officer who really badly wants to bang a very, very fat police officer that she works with. Okay, this sounds bizarre, and I must see it immediately. Yeah. I'll watch that, thank you. You're welcome, it's very good. We'll, we'll, we'll get that on my, my Infuse app. Yeah. But, uh... <laughs> There's about five minutes in where someone gets shot in the nutsack, and you're like, yeah, this is it, I'm in. Yeah, yeah, I'm in, I'm in, I'm, in. I'm absolutely in. Uh, to be fair, I was in on Rick and Morty. I, it, I didn't get the first episode of Rick and Morty, like, I was like... Not quite sure. The first episode is I'm not, not very good. I'm not landing the town. No. But the lawnmower dog. Lawnmower dog is perfect. Lawnmower dog. I was where like, are where my are my testicles? testicles? <laughs> yeah. And I was just like, yeah, yeah, fuck it. Yeah. I'm, I'm in this for like. Ooh, I, that's I, intense. I, in fact, I remember. I remember actually during the lawnmower dog. I, I was sat. I was on. A, I was on National Express. I was going oh. to London. I was staying with Colson Kelly for the night. I watched Rick and Morty for the first time. They were at a pub, and I went yeah. to the 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 Grosvenor in Ilsfield yeah, yeah. to meet them, and I just watched. Anatomy Park. Yeah. <laughs> like, Would I'd you watched... like to ride the bone train? <laughs> I watched the whole series up to Anatomy Park, which is like episode three or four. Yeah. And I remember uh, it was at the point at which it was wearing my testicles <laughs> that I was just like, fuck this, I am in. Yeah. I am so in on this show. Uh-huh. Like, if you're doing... There's a Lawnmower Man reference in the title. It is Dogs Gaining Sentience. Yep. Doc Brown's there as a goddamn sociopath. <laughs> and Marty McFly's a pussy. Yep. I am so fucking in on this. And then they did a Natalie Park. I'm like, can, can I write you guys like a sending order and <laughs> yeah. just like pay you money every week because <laughs> I need this my, my weird funny thing is I remember at that point with the the wear of my testicles summer, I remember thinking to myself and this is a comment that will come oh. back to bite me in the ass <laughs> I'll watch 10 fucking seasons of this <laughs> <laughs> which is now kind of funny because yeah. <laughs> when we get to about season 6 and it really starts to suck which you know yeah. is going to happen yeah, well, yeah. we're going to get a full Dan Harmon community thing out yeah, of this yeah, about the point that he and Justin Rowland have a fist fight and Justin Rowland quits. Yeah. Which will clearly happen. Yeah, well, yeah. And it's going to be season six. It's the, the whole reason we have the Meeseeks episode. <laughs> Basically, it's because yes. Justin Rowland had a mental breakdown during the writer's room and started screaming, I'm Mr. Meeseeks on the floor. That's the whole reason that episode exists. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's it. That's that's the whole reason. I can't bring myself to buy a music shirt. I can't. No. I just can't do it. There's a level of like acceptable mainstream pop culture Having I can't delve into. Having worked in HMV, and... it kind of killed Rick and Morty for me for about two months. I just didn't watch it. Rick and Morty has the worst fucking fan. It does. It has the, the worst. World. It really fan does. I mean, this is the thing. I mean, like, I'm getting really into this whole having custom T-shirts made thing yeah. at the moment. I'm still like trying to find the best T-shirt. Like, I want H and M grade. You know, four pound black ribbed t-shirt but they don't seem to do that on these sites but I'm getting there I'm getting there I'm getting closer right. I, uh, there's, a, there's a design I really want on a t-shirt that's actually it's like the Jaws poster uh-huh. but there's a boat above the water and below it is um, the actor who plays Dennis on It's Always Sunny in yeah. Philadelphia and instead of the Jaws title it just says because of the implications and I love that fucking design I'm going to have that shirt made if it kills me uh-huh. 
Um, I've just realised there's a new episode of It's Always Sunny that I can watch on the TV when I finish this episode. So uh, We're going to wrap this up. We're going to wrap this up. Here it is, your moment of cage. When I first reported for work on that movie, it was the stuff I, I did in the priest's uh, attire. Like the, the whole headbanger, head rolling stuff, and the clapping, and the grabbing of the young lady, and, and all the crazy stuff about Handel's Messiah. And I know John saw that, and he was... Oh, so we're going to go with that kind of acting. <laughs>